Welcome, everyone, to episode 007 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I'm Brian Goulet. And I'm Drew Brown. And we're here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to be talking about our first Sailor exclusive, uh, a follow-up on our paper deep dive, and I get quizzed on my Noodler's ink label knowledge, apparently. Yes. And uh, I also decided to dress up a little bit because... It's episode 007, and I thought I would uh, just look a little classy. He, he talked about doing this, and then mm. we stopped talking about this, and then he shows up and like I this. Show up, and so. I was like, I should wear a tuxedo. Wait, I don't own a tuxedo. How about a black suit? Wait, I don't have a black suit. Well, I have a gray suit that doesn't fit me very well anymore. <laughs> Maybe I'll put that on. And now I'm super uncomfortable. Like I'm like about to Hulk, like explode out of this suit, because I bought it when I was like maybe 25 pounds lighter. And uh, I'll take my sunglasses off, too. Feels a little weird. We're also sitting next to each other. You probably noticed that if you're watching this. If you're in the audio version, you can't see you us. You might be able to tell. I feel like feel there's, like, there's, there's an intangible like across, yeah. magic. Yeah, you exactly. can feel it. But like Drew and I can now, like we're in like smelling range. So I don't know how he feels about that because I definitely get a little swampy by the end of the podcast here. It smells fine now. With the lights and all that kind of stuff. I'll keep you updated. Yeah. Um, but this suit's got to come off. I can't like, you know what? If, if, if I had, if I could get my hands on a Roger Moore Moonraker jumpsuit, I would have worn that. <laughs> Can you, That's you think fantastic. you're hot now? Imagine being Oof. in one of those Moonraker suits. No. Nah, and you know, they were not built for comfort. No. It was like, no, 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 definitely not what they were ta- thinking about. Do you have time. a favorite bond film, Brian? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not like a bond, like fanboy. Like, I don't know all the details of bond, but I definitely enjoy some bond movies. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Me too. Casino Royale is just fantastic. I just, I really like that one. Skyfall is pretty sweet too. Yes. Love Skyfall. That one just had a lot of story to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I really like the depth that it one It probably too. had the most like James Bond backstory of yeah, any Yeah, I really Bond. dig that. But Casino Royale, the first one with Daniel Craig, man, when he like opening scene where he's like parkouring all over the place, I was like, yes. yes. Not only the, Thank the, you. the opening credit scene too with the Chris oh, Cornell yeah. song. Absolutely. Like, that whole scene is that that made me remember that like nowadays opening credits are just not really a thing not no, um but not really that movie reminded me that they if done totally if done well they can be awesome yeah. so i love watching those opening credits now i would say that i think the casino royale is probably the best <laughs> bond hard time getting the shirt off. but my personal favorite uh yeah, I don't know. My personal favorites, I have some ones that I saw early, like Goldfinger, GoldenEye was oh, big, you know, in our childhood. Yeah. Um, From Russia with Love is a really good one. Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, too. That one's okay. A bit cheesy, that but one's okay. you know, they all yeah. are a little yeah. bit. Daniel Craig's not really cheesy, though. No. He has his moments, but it's not like no, he's old school, serious. like he's Sean Connery cheese, you know? No, those or like... Roger Moore cheese. Pierce Brosnan was pretty bad too. A lot of cheese in yeah, those ones. Those, 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 those last two. They were in our formative years, yeah. though, so I appreciate those. Sure. Yeah. The clicky pen. Remember in Goldeneye? Remember that? Oh the yeah. Whole sequence. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. That thing. Well, Parker Jotter. I think that, that thing was. blew up. It did. It was definitely a Parker. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Parker yeah. Jotter, I believe. Anyway, um, so let's start off with some feedback. Shall yeah, we? yeah. We don't have a ton of feedback. We're going to take it light this a bit, week. A little bit. But we did get some great feedback on, surprisingly, because I typed in, Brian, stop talking about paper, but apparently, you know, 
No. Um, but your deep dive on paper was yeah. pretty well received. If, uh, mm. Folks like you know that that uh, that detailed stuff. I don't I don't think they're going to want it every week, but every now and then we might want to give Brian a little something to go 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 nuts on. Yeah. So well, uh, I'm glad I took a risk on that one. Not only because you know everybody could have skipped it or fallen asleep, but also because like I was definitely way on or over the edge of what I knew I was talking about. So, but I feel like you got to push yourself. That's yeah. kind of, I mean, it's definitely you know. not something I'd ever heard before. So a lot, a lot of folks exactly. probably were in my shoes. I find if you say it confidently enough and you, you link to resources that just have a lot of words on them, people aren't going to like go and follow through and they're like, oh, this must be legit. I'm not going to read all this yeah. and verify what he's saying. Yeah. I'll take it at face value. Yep. One of my uh, favorite YouTube comments from our last episode was there was a moment where Brian was, he, he was talking about a story where as a child, someone pulled on his rat tail Mm -hmm. um, one of those long kind of not ponytails but it was another rat tail kid that did it and Mm -hmm. he said something about like I couldn't believe it a fellow ratillion child you know (laughs) and someone someone on YouTube said uh, ratillion child new band name called it Right. Andy Dwyer from, from Parks and Rec. Yeah, so Mouse. we're both huge Parks and Rec. like Reptilian Child and then like three days later you go back to Mouse Rat. Yes, you know? we love that one. So yeah, we're big. Uh, <laughs> honestly, we, we really like, we both really like those NBC sitcoms, 30 Rock, Parks and Rec, Community, oh, yeah. Office. Like we mm-hmm. really, I think at both of our houses, those things were on repeat pretty oh, much yeah. constantly. Pretty so. steadily. Yeah. Pretty steadily. Yeah. Though I am watching uh, Golden Girls right now, Rachel and I are binging that all the way through that's awesome never had never seen an episode and so we are literally like starting at the beginning and watching it all the way through meanwhile we just finished ozark and my life is just a pool of depression and oh, sadness yeah. now ozark so. yeah it's so just dark and blue like the whole i don't want to cinematography i don't want to do anything anymore i'm just <laughs> i don't know why i keep watching it it's just so i want to have watched it but i don't want to watch it yeah i've watched ozark all the way through like you it doesn't get no, more encouraging no. it just gets deeper no and, deeper. and you, you finish it and you're like that was good <laughs> they did a good job everything was good about that but i am not happy that i <laughs> but just participated. Out. yes oh my god <laughs> anyway you got some feedback too right i do have a little bit of feedback oh. yeah this isn't off the pencast video specifically but about the um sailor exclusive that oh, yeah. we did the stealth green super pumped that was really exciting to be able to do that that's been in the works for quite some time um l- many many comments about like brian do you not like blue anymore why wasn't the pen blue he doesn't to be fair i did bring up i was like we totally gotta do blue you know but the thing is, though, when you're working with like retailer exclusives within a bigger brand like this, this is a global brand too. Right. You know, the way the process generally works is we have ideas, we propose certain things that we think would be really good. But, you know, we don't know everything that they have like mapped out in their schedule already. They already had things like Stormy Sea and other things that like they had done Curizer. They'd done a bunch of blue pens already. Yeah. And because of where the schedule was going to fall, they were like, yeah, we've done a lot of blues and stuff like that. So we were like, okay, what would be some alternatives? And we just thought the green and the smoke thing was just cool. Like, yeah. so even though that particular color is not like speaking to my like brand, whatever, <laughs> I think blue is pretty much Brian blue is pretty well associated. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's why. So yeah, wasn't scandalous, but definitely got a lot of questions. But hopefully like, well, this is legit. the beginning of a long and beautiful relationship. So who knows what can come in the future? Yes. But I will dumb. say blue comes up in the proposal for basically every exclusive pen with every yeah. brand. And everybody knows, like, okay, Brian's going to want the blue one. Uh, it's pretty pretty steady. Yeah. I don't even have to say it anymore. Just everybody knows yeah. that's how it goes. It does. You know what? This actually leads us right into the new stuff mm. segment because yeah. we were just talking about the big thing that launched, and it uh-huh. was the sailor. Heck, yeah. 
So yeah, Stealth Green, if you haven't seen it yet, we have a whole other video on it, so I'm not going to belabor it because we got plenty of details there. I'm really thrilled with how the video turned out too. was able to cover a lot of ground on that one. So we have, um, I do have a little details because I said in the video, like, this might be a one-shot deal. I don't know. Yes, at the time we did not know. Yeah, and with this kind of thing, like, this happens a lot. This is our first Sailor exclusive. That's why it was like, I have no idea what our future options are going to be. And especially with COVID and all the disruptions with shipping globally and all this kind of stuff. It's just some things are just never certain. So I want to leave myself wiggle room when we're publishing a video like that because I don't want to like say one thing and then it's completely wrong. And oh my gosh, what do we do? Do we leave it up in the video forever? Um, so one thing I can say is that the the Pro Gear, the full size one, way outsold, like was way more popular than the Slim. And we just did not expect that. Usually it's 50-50 about. Like, yeah, usually like we, they sell pretty evenly. Yeah, like we yeah, when when there are pens where the same color comes out in right. both sizes, we look at the numbers and see how they sold and see how they map. That's how we have to not only with these did we have to project out which pen sizes, but then all the nib breakdowns too. And Sailor's got a lot of friggin' nibs. So it's tough to like really nail it spot on with you know, 14 different SKUs with this one exclusive pen. So that was a bit challenging. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, honestly, it just took us by surprise. So what I can say is that we are in talks with doing another order up on the Pro Gears, but it's going to take like 60 to 90 days probably. So go ahead and sign up for the email notification, especially if it's a particular nib size or whatever. And to be fair to myself, I did caveat in the video and be like, if you want a particular nib size, like you should probably jump on it. I wasn't trying to like overhype it. But legitimately, like if you want a Pro Gear Slim, like we still got them all. But yeah. if you want the big one, you're going to have to wait now probably. We might have a couple left, but I mean, they pretty well Yeah, I haven't checked today, but. I mean, we had we had sold through, we're in the, you know, most yeah. of them over just over the weekend. Uh, all of us were shocked by that. They're probably going to be gone by the time this goes live. Probably. But if not, go ahead and sign up for the email notification. We'll put up whatever information on the product page when we know it. But we just don't have details like exactly when it's going to arrive. We've just given a time frame of a couple of months. So I think, you know, it's, we run into situations sometimes where it's like we order up on something after its launch. It blows out right at launch. And then, like, by the time we restock it three months later, like, nobody cares anymore. And nah, we're sitting on There'll be another Sailor exclusive somewhere You know, else so it's like, ah, oh, do we order up again? But we were like, you know what? This was our first one. Let's go ahead and do it. Yeah, we might so, hang out to it for a while, and that's okay. Yeah, we're okay. We have to we have to project out like, okay, how long are we okay sitting on these? Because we have to buy a lot. We yeah. have minimum quantities we have to do for these exclusives. So it's like, all right, we we'll, we're okay if this doesn't sell super quick. Yeah, and we're hanging on to them for a while. It's a cool pen. We'll we'll just yeah. And it's not it. like Sailor's going to let us do an exclusive every month or anything like that. No, that would <laughs> so be, we're okay. I mean, we totally would do that, <laughs> but you know, not going to happen. We'll be good for a while. Yeah. So that also is a good segue into our next segment of hey. new stuff. We are just like segue champions today. Um, so, yeah, obviously what's new, the Stealth Green exclusive is definitely new. You can check out more of those details. That's um, what I was talking about when I was talking about the segue. I know. That's the segue I was talking about. Oh, I'm just uh, – yeah. I segue to myself. Okay. So yeah. I'm not a segue champion. I just need to move on from that, this topic. Yeah, wow. No, we're already in new stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, I was looking at my feedback where I was talking about. Sales. Yeah, no, we're okay. a new stuff. Yeah, okay, all right, I'm tracking because that's a new I'm, stuff. So I'm on the bus now. Okay. Yeah, all right. So next bullet point on my thing here. You do get to talk um, a little bit more about green, though. A I little do, bit. I do. Sort of. A little bit. Um, so yeah, the the Lamy Studio for 2021. They're seasonal or special edition, yeah. as they call it. Um, that we got a sample of it in hand. We. We never know for sure if we're going to get a sample in advance. Right. We, so we, we saw some pictures. Yeah, like, we, we got we saw very 
rough <laughs> pictures just yeah. to get a general idea. But you can't really ever know. So like I tried to prep the video ahead of time and then I get here and I look at the pen. We have the pen for like a couple of days and then we got to send it back. So I like had to coordinate everything to come and shoot the video and I get it in hand and I'm like, oh, well, that's different than yeah, what I thought was, was going to be. Like, this is not I was what like, I thought it was I need to change every ink recommendation that I had. Because the picture looked very green, right? <laughs> it looks like a dark green. Yeah, yeah. like a Nudler Zhivago green. Right. Like that dark green. But then it, I get it and it's like glossy. And, oh yeah, right. Yeah, you thought it was matte, silver. So like normally sparkly? the two, the, normally the yeah. studios are that matte finish. Very yeah, rarely, like yeah. what like, they've done, like the not the, since Wild Rubin in 2014. There wasn't one since that. No, you're kidding. No, that's the last one. Yeah, so it was like I seven there was one years ago. There. Oh my god. No, yeah. So they very ago. rarely do this lacquery, yeah. shimmery thing, and then this one showed up, and it was that. I was like, oh, well, that's okay, cool. Yeah. And then once I get over the initial shock of like, oh, this is entirely different than what I prepared. Then I'm like, oh, for what it is, this is actually really cool. Yeah. Like I dig this color. Absolutely. So, so you know, if you see if you see that video, we just launched it on Wednesday. Um, but if you see that video, I'm not being inauthentic. I genuinely do think that's a cool color. But sometimes that's how it goes when we have these samples. Is like you're getting like a little bit of my initial yeah. reaction because I just saw that pen. But it's 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 looks gray with a little bit of shimmer yeah but then when it's like there's with, some green. when it's with something green bit. it looks green yeah but when it's not when it's by itself yeah it just looks gray it's a freaky kind of color you'll have to let us know what you think wonder, is it green or is it gray i wonder if it wasn't named something forest where you like psychologically might associate it with something green like would you still see green i don't know, I don't know. like i feel like it was a mind game like i was looking at it and i was like you know, sort of like when we... Uh, you did not want to see the green one. We were talking about You are like, no, no, no. Well, no well, so, okay, yeah. So, like, sometimes when we get a pen, we have to, like, we see pens all the time, right? You know, so it's like, okay, I know what this pen is supposed to be, but, like, somebody seeing this pen, a picture of this pen in our newsletter or whatever, just stumbled across on an Instagram, they have no context. They're not thinking about pens. They just happen to see it. Are they going to see green? Like, is I immediately that the saw dominant green. color? No, no not dominant, but... It's it's there. You gotta like hold it up to something <laughs> pure black to be like, oh, there is some green. There, it's you it's, know, it's very but subtle. it's like I don't know. If you look at our images, the ones that um, Glenn shot with the with the green with the olive green notebook, mm-hmm. um, it I think it brings it out. Yeah, it brings it out. Yeah, there is green in there for sure, but that's not like it's not the dominant color. No, I'll give you. I'll you got you gotta want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing that we got, um, Monteverde has done several different ink sets. Mm-hmm. That's kind of part of their thing. Their box sets, they're actually, we we never, we're like, really, are people going to buy like 10 ink colors at once? Yes. But they do. Yeah. It's yes. And especially when they're themed like that. So these are fun, kind of I don't know, cutesy. I don't mean that in a derogatory term, but they're like, you know, cutely designed. Yeah. Was it last week that I, know, that I had the box? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you so showed we, it last we showed time. the box. It's the jungle ink sets and you can yeah. get them uh, individually too. Yes. So exactly. If you don't want the whole kit and the caboodle. Yes. What is, what is the kit and what is the caboodle? Well, you can get the caboodle. Is the caboodle the things inside the kit? Is the kit the whole thing? If you have to ask, then you don't need the caboodle. Well, maybe I do and I just don't no, know what it is. No, you can't handle the caboodle. Let's move on. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, we'll just leave that there. So anyway, that launched. Jungle Links. Yep. Cool colors. Um, we also, uh, let's see, as of uh, um, yesterday we launched. Well, not yesterday. Anyway. As of Wednesday. At, whenever you're hearing this. <laughs> we record this, this on Wednesday. So by the time it launches, by, we will by the time we launched the video on Friday, we're like two days ago, yes. which is actually like At some an hour point ago. in 2021, we launched <laughs> the Sailor uh, uh, Sunset Over the Ocean. Yeah. Um, which comes in three 
different three sizes. sizes. So yeah. like the uh, the um, stealth green came Same. in Pro Gear and Pro Gear Slim. Mm-hmm. This one's Pro Gear, Pro Gear Slim, and King of Pens Pro Gear. That's right. So the big Kahuna, the big Caboodle. Um, so that's a beautiful blue with some shimmer town going mm-hmm. on, and that's then right. some red finials, which I think uh, again is it red you, or is it orange or is it like a red orange? To me, it's red. To me, to orange me was the dominant color, but I don't know. Anyway, I think clearly we don't see really, colors the it's same. It's got a really nice <laughs> nautical theme, blended like a really cool nautical shoot too. Yeah. Um, it looks good. It's got some rope in there. Ooh, you'll probably rope. be looking at it right now as I'm talking <laughs> about it. But it's a really good looking pen, and it comes in the King of Pens, which is always exciting to see. Holding one of those things with that big beefy nip. Oh my god, I love it. That King of Pens. Um, and we also launched Tibaldi finally. We mentioned we that. Did, I yeah. think that, like I mentioned it on the podcast when we were evaluating it. We evaluated we, it. We teased it a little last week when I was talking about the nib nook, and I yeah. incorrectly said that it was Yobo. It's not. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, it is an Italian made nib of some kind, yep. but it's a good uh, good line. We're mm-hmm. excited to pick it up. It yeah. performs well. Every Very like vin- vintage kind of like inspired yeah. design. It's a hundred year old company. Yeah, solid pens. Um, but yeah. we launched those this week as well. Yeah, I'm curious to see how those do because like it's not a brand that I was hyper aware of. You know, but uh, it's one that I think has, you know, maybe a, a fan following of some yeah, sort. Yeah, feedback has been good. Yeah. Feedback has been good. Yeah. Um, and it, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this because it mm-hmm. came and went and it's pretty much no longer a thing. Mm-hmm. But, well, a couple weeks ago or last week, we talked about the Shikiori Sailor Pens, which um, is more commonly referred to as the Sound of Rain collection, mm-hmm. which is Shikiori sub category or whatever yeah anyway yeah. there were you know what like four four pens i think mm-hmm. in that line and they all sold instantly were, we yeah. didn't get a lot of them and they were here and then they weren't here yeah. they we are, looked lovely we are restocking but, we are restocking but it's they're like trickling in ha <laughs> yeah. pun hey they're like trickling into the u.s yeah. yes so it's more of a more of a drizzle than a full rain that we got they in. literally are called drizzle yeah pens. so yes they're gonna drizzle in later That's so right. keep your eye on them if you want to know more about when we will be restocking them sign up for that wait list go to the product mm-hmm. page click notify me and we will notify you boom yes Let's do some Q&A, Drew. Q&A. I, believe, I love this. I believe you got the first one. All right. Yeah, I'm going to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. That uh, This comes in from David Eschleman from YouTube. Cool. And he said, your deep dive into the history of paper making has me thinking, where do you see the future of paper going? And in particular, fountain pen friendly paper. As many in the community are mourning the demise of Tomoe River, mm. what do you see out there that could take its place? Mm. This one we were thinking about talking about for a while because mm-hmm. we have had mm-hmm. questions about oh, Tomoe yeah. River because there has been scuttled butt yeah. regarding its oh, that future. Oh, butt's scuttled oh, for sure. butt's way scuttled. Yeah. And we're like, oh, God, do we even say anything? Because we don't really know. But yeah. even though we don't know, when has that stopped us before, right? I mean, this is a podcast. You, people talk about things they don't know We've all the time on podcasts. We've been doing that for seven episodes now. So, 100%. Brian, what, what, do you, what do you say? What? My entire career is talking about things that I don't know <laughs> confidently. What is the deal? Um, okay. So, well, there's two parts to this. Do you want me to start off with the Tomoe thing? Because I can. All right. There's well, the, there's da- the, like, future David, of the paper. Da- David has the Tomoe at the at the at the end of his I, question. I, I so prep my bullet points, you know, with the, the, the other question first. There we go. So let's I'm just going to do it the way that I prepared. Let's okay. do that. So starting out with David's first question here, um, you know, I don't, being real, like, look, okay, I love, love paper, love writing. I would love to say that we're in like the golden era of like fountain pens and handwriting, but that is like pretty much not true. No. And we would be in denial if we were to say that. Um, 
So I would say like the future of paper making is definitely like in question <laughs> uh, and in flux, uh, you know, due to just the fact that like the era of handwriting is is not in its prime. Like, I mean, right now, is, you mentioned, I think last week to me, or I don't know if it was in the show or not, but you said that virtually like there are, you can count on one hand how many paper companies are manufacturing paper for fountain pens. Yeah. Uh, and it's like two. Like almost nobody. Maybe much. one. Yeah, really. Um, you know, but that said, the the era probably has passed. Its heyday has passed. But that doesn't mean that it has no place, right? Um, I think globally we're seeing consolidation. Like paper making, again, I'm not going to go into the depths of it. But in order to make paper, it consumes a lot of resources. you got to do it in huge quantities yeah. to do it efficiently. Uh, so you need to have a pretty high demand. You need to have like a primary market for these products. And let's be real, like we love fountain pens, but the amount of paper that fountain pen people are consuming wouldn't keep a single paper mill open. Like there has to be some other primary source for that paper. And then pretty much every company, like the the fountain pen friendly paper is like the fringe product that yeah. they could just stop making and it wouldn't even affect their bottom line. So like they do it out of passion and you know, that kind of thing. Um, and Tomoe river does fit into that. And I'm going to get into that in a second. Um, so I will say on the flip side of that, so not, not to be like a total like bummer about paper, like paper's future. I will say while the like mass production of paper, like high quality fountain pen friendly paper, the mass production of that is not in its heyday right now. I will say that due to the internet and the interconnectedness and the sharing of information, it's easier than more, you know, easier now more than ever for people who have like specific desires for certain types of paper to be able to like gather together and make their desires known <laughs> and stuff like that. So like while there's not the inherent like mass production nature of it and like it's not going to be on the corner of every brick and mortar store, I do feel like because you have interconnectedness of social media sharing of knowledge on the internet and boutique retailers who focus on things not to like tout ourselves but we fit into this category of we are specialized in this like fine writing category we are going to be a resource for people to like seek out this specialty paper and we can go on just hop on the internet and find who makes this kind of paper and find distributors easier and stuff like that so while at the macro level the industry is probably shrinking as a whole there is probably easier access to find you know these more obscure like product lines that might meet like fine paper needs uh, than ever before due to you know just globalization and stuff like that so it's kind of like a mixed bag right um tomoe river is interesting it, it, it it's in flux and i think tomoe river is a good example of exactly what i'm talking about here um so it's it's a you know relatively small market small product line within the larger company that's making this so the company that makes tomoe river paper is tomoe gama company limited in Mm -hmm. japan and uh they've been primarily manufacturing electrical insulating paper and other specialty industrial products i did not know that yeah you go onto their website and you can like click on it maybe we'll put it in the in the show notes here but you can uh you can go and you can check it out and like you got to dig a little bit to see tomoe river on there um, but most of the papers they have are like these crazy insulating and electrical and like adhesive 
adhesive bonding paper and like stuff. I don't even know what it is. It's very obviously like industrial type stuff. So like that's that's their bread and butter. That's where they're making their money. That's what they've been doing for a hundred years. Jeez. And they probably do to some of the whatever proprietary knowledge and the, and the way that they make some of those papers, they're able to make this unique, what they call ultra lightweight printing paper, which that's the Tomoe river, the 52 gram stuff that like got them known in the fountain pen world. They didn't develop it for fountain pen people. That's for darn sure. They actually developed it specifically this, this 52 gram paper that is the, the talk of the town in terms of like what's going away. Um, it was developed for catalogs and like, you know instruction manuals and like like think about it they're an industrial supplier yeah. right so think about you know especially before the internet you had you know car mechanic like catalogs and things like that you know what i mean like mm-hmm. back in the day you used to like buy a car and you'd get like the big thick catalog that would have how to fix every part of the car so like they wanted to be able to basically have really really thin paper to make these catalogs like yeah thinner fit more sheets that's what they developed this paper for. Yeah, you always and see it, those in like you know shipping supply catalogs. You yeah, know, like Granger catalog. How massive oh, that yes, thing was. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exact. Exact kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's really what they developed it for, and it just happens to be really interesting for fountain pen people. So again, I don't think everybody in the world buying this paper for fountain pen use is enough for them for them to run the mill probably for a day. You know what I mean? So it's like it's such a small fringe thing for them. So basically, what what we're seeing is like. Not only is it enough, not enough for them to like produce this super specialty paper just for fountain pen people, but it's not even enough for them to like take the time to communicate what's happening when they right. need to make a change about it, which is why there's so much confusion. I, I hate, I hate to say that that's the truth and it's, it makes it sound like they don't care when they're fine people. And I'm sure that they do. They just, they gotta, they gotta feed their families. They gotta, you know, keep their business going. And we are not a big enough section of what it is that they're doing to produce this to, to be, to warrant the time to like explain every detail. So we have, we have tried to get some details and all that. So basically the 52 gram, which is their thin stuff, they have the 52 and the 68 gram. Mm-hmm. Um, we have both of those versions in our Goulet notebooks, and we've carried both of those versions, which have been in flux themselves, like the loose sheets and the tablets and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, change formulations. For our suppliers, and- yeah. So basically what I believe happened, I don't know all the details, but they were producing it on one machine, which when I say machine, I'm probably talking like something the size of a football field, and I'm not joking, like massive machines. They were producing on one type of machine, and from what I know, not just with Tomoe River, but from talking like Rodion and Claire Fontaine and stuff like that. Like the reason Rodion and Claire Fontaine have a different toothiness to them is because literally they're just produced on two different machines. Like, th- and that makes the difference Jeez. for whatever reason. I don't know all the details. Maybe there's some calibration or something, but like just changing which machine it's made on can change the feel of the paper. Golly. So it's like consistency matters so much in paper manufacturing, um, especially when you get to those like high, high end papers. So, um, you know, they, they changed machines. They changed which machine they put it on. I don't know if it broke or something happened, but they changed it for whatever reason. Maybe they had a production schedule that needed to make that happen. So the original, like, 52-gram paper changed, and this was a year ago or so, sometime last year. Yeah, but then it, it, but it was just a rolling like, change. Yeah. It was a rolling change. It's global. You know, they change it. They, they give some new paper to their suppliers. Those suppliers then provide it to, you know, whoever is making different and Depending on who sells through faster, you have one supplier yeah. that has the old stuff, one supplier it could take a, stuff. It could take a year or two yeah. for the actual changeover to happen. Well, so that's been a rolling change. Yeah, for all we know, we still have both <laughs> back there. 
Well, I believe that we are all out of the old stuff. It's what, about, old. what about like something like the Traveler's Notebook? Who knows what? Like, oh, I've no yeah, I've no like idea. the light paper. Oh, true, like, like stuff that we're getting from other right. Supply, like I, I have no idea. Say. Unless Especially you when test it, all of it, which no one's going to do that. Well, we can't do that. Right? <laughs> we wouldn't have anything to sell. <laughs> well, and then we're probably going to get mixed stock anyway. So say we test it. Yeah, the next exactly. shipment we get might be old stuff. Right. So unless it's like really held to be this like first in, first out kind of like uh, uh, inventory management and it's communicated literally every step of the process sure all the way through. they try to do that, but. They can't. No. It's just, can't, they can't. The massive quantities of this paper that they have to, to move to be able to produce it would blow your freaking mind. Um, and it's just, it can't be communicated all the way through. Or you'd have to triple the price of the paper because of the amount of time it would take to communicate a lot. Anyway, so um, that already changed. That was like the old to the new. And now the new 52 grand paper is talking about it going away because basically they said, you know, they move machines on it and then now that is in question. They might have to change or ditch that altogether. Couple of reasons. And again, I don't know all the details, but wood pulp has massively gone up in price. Yeah. Wood, all wood, lumber yes. prices are three times, four times what they normally are right now. If you're trying to, I tried to build shelving for my shed and it was going to cost me $1,000 in two by fours and OSB. And I was like, nope, I can get by without some shelves for now. Dismantle one of the packing shelves. Right? Like those things are worth something now. Yeah. That stuff I built, built 10 years ago. Or no, the, 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 the packing tables. tables. Yeah, yeah, you know what I meant. That's actually not a terrible idea. That's some valuable stuff now. That's like $300 for the wood. I think we were going to move to metal on mm. a couple of them anyway. So. Yeah, metal's almost cheaper than wood right now. There it's crazy. Uh, but anyway, so wood pulp is very expensive. So not only that, but they're having a tough time with supply. And then if they have to change machines and all that. So it's all these things that like they don't communicate all this to us. Yeah. Like we're just one retailer and we're, not, we're in a fringe of a fringe of a fringe of their target market. So... We don't get all these details, but for sure, we're seeing COVID impacts. We're seeing pricing things. We're seeing just some larger economy changes with paper usage and all that with a company that primarily produces some different type of stuff anyway. So we're just going to get essentially the scraps and leftovers. And that's that's what's happening. And that's why it's, it's all changing. So um, the thing that I also am not sure on is what's going to happen with the 68 gram paper, because, you know, as of to date we you know we've had supply of the 68 gram paper but that is even in question uh, not shockingly it, it would make sense that it would be just in question so basically we know our goulet notebooks the ones that we that we stock we get them through another supplier who has like bought a stock of the paper not the old some way but the new new 52 gram whatever that's close just a couple different different on a couple different inks but um, so we know that we're good pretty much through 2021 into like maybe February, 2022. It's hard to say, it depends how the sales go, but we have a good stock of it for a while. After that, it's completely in question. We have no idea, but we'll have something. We'll have something. We've already asked about Cosmo Airlight mm-hmm. because that's one thing that's come up. The 75. The 75 gram Cosmo Airlight. Very similar. Very. To Tomoe, especially the 68 gram. There's nothing like Tomoe 52 gram. Right. It's very close to the 68. That ultralight. Nothing like that. So that might go away forever and we'll all cry about it. But the, if we have to, we can switch to the Cosmo Airlight. We could actually get Cosmo Airlight right now, but then it's like it's so close to the Tomoe 68. Yeah. And, you know, there's already enough confusion around. So if we, we decide to go, that. there might be a little bit of overlap, but, yeah. you know, we'll let you know. But if you're like dying for it, you know, we've tested the paper. It's good. Oh, yeah. But it's not like mind-blowingly, it's not like better, mind-blowingly better than Tomoe. It's, it's very comparable. Yeah, very comparable. Yeah. So I tested them side by side and I got a lot of the exactly. same results. So there you go. That's pretty much what's up with... The future of paper is going to be highly in question, but we got to keep on searching. And uh, yeah, 
Tomoe River. Lots of details. There you go. That wasn't a deep dive, but apparently it was. So let's can't, move on. Can't let Brian talk about paper anymore. Gosh, apparently not. <laughs> I guess I... Well, it's, it's one of those things you don't inherently just have chambered, so you have to look it up. And I have of course, to research when, when you it. look yeah. it up, that's well, rabbit like, hole territory. Well, we, we get asked about this stuff so much. Oh, yeah. And no, this was worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was worth it. We've, we've gotten yeah. a couple questions about Tomoe. There you go. All right. I'm going to ask you a question now, Drew. Have you found any reasoning why the custom pilot, Custom Heritage 92, doesn't have much love? It's probably as simple as it doesn't sell. It's kind of true. But come on, people. Why aren't you buying the flat finials? I also prefer its clip over the 74. The answer is no. There's no reason. Or is is it more the piston filling filling that isn't popular enough? Nonsense. Everybody should buy that pen because it's awesome i don't i haven't bought one i have it right here it's super cool it it flies very very much under the radar i mean it's it's basically a custom 74 with a flat top the clip shape is a little different it's got like the you know the little sword looking clip yeah blade clip instead of the ball and uh it's got a piston instead of a but it, it is a price hike up there, and it's you get the 60, same, six, It's a sixty dollars premium. Yeah, and you get the same writing experience as a seventy four. So if you were, if yeah. you wanted to take that same, next step up and get that entry level nib. gold nib, and you're deciding mm-hmm. which one, like you really need to say, is the flat top and the piston worth the extra money? And for a lot of people, the answer is going to be no. Um, the people mm-hmm. prefer the versatility of the uh, regular co- cartridge converter system, and the custom uh, Heritage 92 does not uh, disassemble its piston. So mm-hmm. in order to clean it, you got to just you know operate the piston again yeah. and again and again. So And it's only clear. There's one color option. Right. In the U.S. at least. Right. Now, if they made a custom 74 with just flat tops, would that one be more popular in the U.S.? So like a cartridge converter version of the it Custom Heritage 92? It basically would be like the, the answer like hybrid. to the... Well, hybrid. It'd be their answer to the, uh, like, Sailor, how they do the 1911 and the Pro Gear. And the Pro Gear, right, It'd right. be like flat top versus cigar end. Yeah. I mean, I don't see why that wouldn't make sense. I think it would be super cool. Because I prefer the flat tops. We've talked about this before. I dig them. I'm just curious if the threading on the cap will fit between uh, one and the Frank other. Frank and Penn live. get kind of... Look at that. Oh! It does. Look at that. How about the grip section? That's cool. This is sometimes what Drew and I do. We're like, I wonder if this. Oh no, I've, I've put I, the. Um, you can actually put the Falcon grip section on oh, a Custom Seventy Four as well. Oh yeah, you can't undo off. it. That's right. Duh. Yes, that will void your warranty, ladies and gentlemen. Oh yeah, I don't um, even know if it does come off. I it, don't. Think it's it probably does. glued. That and the Custom Eight Twenty Three, I think, have glued grip sections. So technically, you can. I don't crack. see any threads in here. I okay, don't think. I don't think. Yeah, but the It's got threads in here. I think the insert part that has the nib maybe can come out. Oh, maybe. But the A23 has it, but it's glued, and you should not remove it because... Yeah, they, like, have a big old thing in there when you yeah. open the pen that's, like... Don't do it. It can crack, your, it can crack your pen. It's not, not, it, a, not it a thing you should can. do. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, it, it should definitely get some love. Whether or not it should sell more, I don't know, but it definitely flies under the radar, and well, I don't You can think mix and match. You can get a flat top cap onto your Custom 74. There we go. Or you can take your Custom 74 cap and have a round top with a flat bottom. Flat bottom pens. Flat bottom. Flat bottom. <laughs> you make the. <laughs> I was gonna say there's a Queen song in there somewhere. Um, yeah. So anyway, there. I, I, I'm right there with you. I think it it definitely could get some more love, but I think because it falls into that entry level category, it's um, it's just something that gets overlooked because yeah. of the price disparity. And then by the time you break two hundred dollars and you're up in the Custom Heritage ninety two, 
Well, a little more right. in the 200s, and then you can get your custom A23, bigger nib, vacuum filling, and that's just really cool. It's in so a weird spot. It's a, it's in the right spot, like, by all... But it's sandwiched between like, two just phenomenally phenomenally popular pilot yeah. pens. Yeah. So we'd love to know in the comments if you think the it's custom... It's the middle ha- child. The custom, it's the middle child. Yeah. It's the middle child of the yeah. gold nib custom pens. So if you think that the Heritage 92 should get some more love... Let us know, because we think it should. We'll do. All right, Brian, got another one. Uh, oh boy, that needs some explanation. <laughs> but <laughs> this is another one that I, it won't be quite as deep. Okay, that'll be more interesting than paper. We'll, I think. we'll, we'll, we'll see what, how he holds himself to that. <laughs> one. All right, Heather on YouTube asks, and this is another one where we've got multiple people asking, mm-hmm. um, but we're gonna address it. Yeah. She asks, "Did Retro Fifty One get a buyer then?" I thought they were releasing a few more designs, and then it'd be peace out. Mm. What's the deal with Retro Fifty One? What is the deal? All right. Um, okay. Fair enough. I think it's this was this is a good one that requires some explanation. They were or did peace out? They did. They truly did shut down. Yeah. So um, this is one of those situations where it's like you know when you lift the curtain a little bit, you're like, oh wow, I had no idea how much goes on behind the scenes. You know, whereas you, as the you know observer, consumer, whatever you want to call yourself, Heather, um, Heather and everyone else, um, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily know like what it, what it took to make all this happen. So you might think like, oh my gosh, they touted for like a whole year, like they're shutting down. This is it. Big blowouts. They did all these poppers and everything. A lot of FOMO. And then they didn't really disappear. And you're like, was this a hoax? Was this like a bait and switch? No, it really wasn't. But I can very much understand why it might seem that way. So that's why I want to take this question and explain a little bit. Because I've had conversations with George, the former owner, and I've had conversations with the new owners multiple times. It's all good people, good intentions involved. And I don't want anybody to have the wrong impression about what happened. Because I think that that would be not helpful to anybody. I think you should should know more what's going on. Um, All right. Well, give us the... Yeah. Full story because I feel hoodwinked. Yeah, well, my I'm wink gonna, has been hooded. I'm gonna unwink your hood or unhood your wink. Whatever, all right, whichever you, you, those. You just try. You just I don't try. know. You're bringing up all kinds of expressions, and I when I think about it, it's like when my kids ask, like, "Kitten caboodle hoodwink." Yeah, when they ask, like, "Where did that come from?" I'm like, "I don't really know." Let me Google that, um, and then believe the first thing that I see on the internet without verifying it. Okay, um, so they did close down legitimately. So George, he'd been doing Retro Fifty One for 30 years. It was basically like, "I'm tired. I'm out." This is before COVID hit. But then when COVID hit, it was like, yeah, we're definitely shutting this down. But he had always said, like, he was open to, like, someone who wanted to come and buy it. But he was not, like, aggressively looking for a, a new buyer. Right. Like to, so it was, like, kind of sunsetted the brand. They were obviously very focused on producing a lot of popular, you know, retailer exclusives. It was kind of like... <laughs> Like, they actually had to implement stuff. I won't get into all the details. They had to implement, like, all these extra things because every retailer came out of the woodworks and was like, oh, my gosh, this is my last chance to do that popper that I've been thinking about doing forever. And they were just getting inundated. And they only have so many designers. So they were like, no, you've got to have, like, you pay up front, whatever, this kind of a commitment. So And even with all those restrictions they put in place, knowing they were closing down, the retailers were having FOMO about designing, like, exclusive pens. So everybody got really amped and excited. COVID was hitting. It was all madness. And then truly through pretty much all of 2020, they were shutting down. Like we, it started to get where we were running out of pens. We weren't restocking. We've had basically no stock left. And then almost when we were like getting ready to pretty much take retro off our website, we had like nothing but 
I think the the P fifty one Mustang and maybe some yeah it was some like Alberts just some like there. lingering yeah. evergreen kind of stuff. Um, you know, we had done all of our we poppers and everything. Empty, yeah. We had even given ideas for like, hey, could we? You know, we've talked about this popper a while ago. Could we fit this one in? They were like, no, we're done. We're we, we're not taking any more. Yep. Like they had had staff that were retiring or like, so they were like truly winding down. Um, even though they were still pumping out all these exclusives because because they love it. It's a passion thing for them. All the retailers they've wanted, they've worked with, you know, they're good people. podcasters and all kinds of people in the community. So they wanted to get in as much as they could. So it really came from a good place um, and so they were they were basically ready to shut down and what happened was there were three um, you know business folk who were retro fans that were like hey retro is going to go away what if we got together and and bought it and kept the company going it was very much like a fan driven like what if we could you know, kind of do this. And they were in other various places of business. They didn't really know each other, but they kind of somehow found each other. And that's exactly what they did. And they contacted George and they were like, hey, here's this idea. We want to do this and we want to structure it this way. And it was like before everybody had like gone and dispersed from the company because like Richard, their designer, has been there for 20 years. And like is he's like the magic behind all the designs. Years. Yeah. Oh, he wow. was like hired like right out of college. It was his first job. He was oh, like geez. an intern and now he's like the lead designer. He's designed basically like I was about to say, I've, I've met him. He's, he's a young guy. He's yeah, like, so, yeah he's forty maybe. Yeah, just, yeah. I'm just I'm twenty years long. Time. That's like his been whole career. Yeah. He's been designing retro wow. fifty one pens. Wow. So like he's like a gem, super nice guy too. Yeah. And so it's like there's all these things that I was I was mourning. I was like I was like trying to talk to like other people in the pen industry. Like can you can you acquire like get Richard to work for you or like is there some way yeah. we can like keep this like magic alive in the pen world? So. I'm super grateful that like these guys came together and mm-hmm. and essentially found a way to revive it. But it happened like at the 11th hour, right before retro was truly going to like disappear forever. Um, they came in and they they worked it out. And um, you know we didn't find out like the night you know that it happened or anything like that. But you know they contacted us because they knew we had done some exclusives and they knew we had you know some audience and stuff like that. So they basically told us like, hey, this is this is what we're doing. Like it's you know we're we're keeping relations with the fact factory keeping richard we're keeping you know several people so they had to like you know kind of rebuild it a little bit again but keep in mind this was like you know uh uh, six months ago maybe Mm -hmm. covid was like rampant and no one knew what the future was so it was a lot of speculation for this to even happen um so it was kind of like okay this is happening but who knows what's going to happen but you know they've got really good relationships and they've they've were able to like work with their factory and get some things ramped back up. And then we started to see some of the regular stuff coming back in. They came out with the Herald, which was like the, some of the meaning behind the Herald, their, their popper that they did. It was not a retailer exclusive, but it was a, a retro, you know, retro wide mm-hmm. popper. Um, it was meant to be like Herald, like, Hey, we're back. Like that was the, yes. the heralding of the, you know, that was the theme behind it. So now they're working, you know, with retailers coming up with exclusives. And so the, the machine is kind of going again. So I, I really don't want anybody to take away the impression that like they were duped or anything like that. I think, you know, if you were trying to like buy a pen and like flip it on speculation because you thought the company was going away, you, you, you take that risk upon yourself for things to happen like this. And yeah, you have the right to be bummed about that because if that was your motive, you were trying to make a buck and now maybe you won't. But, but that's the way it goes with reselling. That's the way it goes with any type of speculative thing. But I think genuinely, if you're a retro fan, this is good news because the company will continue on and there will be, there will be 
other great exclusives to come Look out me, in the future. Oh wink, wink. Like, like, like something from Goulet, maybe. Oh, I can neither confirm nor deny. <gasps> but there you go. That's uh, that's some of the backstory to uh, Retro Fifty One. So. And it was bought by folks who have a passion for the brand and for the rollerball. Yeah. So good people. It's they, in good hands, and yeah. they truly want. I'm sure to that George didn't just want to. Yeah, yeah. They didn't, George didn't want to just sell to uh, you know another Absolutely. giant company. You know, Absolutely. he. I think he wanted the right people. The pen it. industry is small, and it's nobody's nobody's like making buku dollars in the pen world it's like you're you're doing it because you love that's it true. you love the people you gotta be it. a little crazy you gotta be a little bit yeah it's a passion thing so nice. yeah so that's that's uh yeah it's cool to see it continue on very cool yeah awesome there ask you go. me something i think i will um let's see the real charter asked on instagram do you write with your fingers or do you write with your wrist slash arm my wrist arm your wrist arm um how do you write drew I write with my wrist. Uh, yeah? Well, no, with my fingers. Yes, I write with my fingers. Well, you have if, to hold the pen with your fingers. So that's, well, a, that's well, an important this, part of the... This is, my wrist isn't doing anything right there. <laughs> so, yeah, I write with my fingers, and unless I'm writing for a long time, and then I, it has to be a conscious thing for me to... Because I know you're supposed to just write with your arm. You can write for long mm, periods of time. I mm-hmm, think that's healthier. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I have to make myself do that. I definitely don't do that... I haven't taught myself to do that instinctively. Mm. So it's a, it conscious, practice. Practice. it's a conscious decision when I do it, and I usually do it like, okay, I need to write something, and I'm like, all right, let me kind of switch gears. It's kind of like switching gears in a car. Like, I know I'm going up a hill. I need right. to, you know, knock it into, you know, first or second or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, definitely not automatically. Instinctively, I write with my fingers. Mm. Okay. I think that's pretty normal. I think that's how most people are, you know, which a little fun fact. So when you're writing with ballpoints, pencils, whatever, the thing, the, the writing implements that, are handy that most people are used to writing with. Um, part of the reason that most people feel hand cramping when they're writing is because they're writing with their fingers. And if you think about it, you can you can think about it in a very simple way. Your fingers are not very big. So the muscles in your fingers are pretty small. Yes. So they are going to get tired quicker yes. than your wrist. Your wrist has bigger muscles and all that kind of stuff uh, versus your elbow versus your shoulder. Mm. So like the further up your arm you go, the bigger muscles you have, right? So your bigger muscles can go longer, especially with practice and stuff like that. Um, So if you're writing with a long writing session using just your fingers, you're going to get tired. It's going to cramp. It's not going to be great. So when when you're like getting true like calligraphy, training and like Spencerian and stuff like that it talks all about whole arm and you got to practice like freaking crazy yeah because if you think about like if you are trying to i'm trying to think of a good analogy say you're trying to paint right and if you're trying to paint something really detailed and you're holding it very close to the brush you you know right way down on there you have a lot of control right if you're holding it all the way back at the other end of the brush you have a lot less control, right? Because it's just a lot further away. So in order to be able to use the larger muscles that can go for longer without hurting, you have less fine control with these muscles. Therefore, you have to practice a lot to get good at having fine control with your bigger arm muscles. So that's why Spencerian specifically and a lot of like traditional calligraphy training drills practicing like crazy because in order to write a lot for a long period of time with control, you have to build up your larger muscles to have that fine motor control. You're not going to build up your finger muscles to have the strength of your shoulder. No, that's that like not, 
I'd like to see what you look like with these like, like it's whole gonna look, It's going to look amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I'd like to see that. So that's not that's not <laughs> going to happen. You didn't answer the question though. What do you write with your wrists? I'm or getting. Your arm? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. Um, so more context. So you take a a more modern approach towards this. Spencerian goes back to like the 1800s, right? So very classical. Um, Michael Saul. So he's a right. master penman. Teaches a lot. He basically revived modern handwriting and taught pretty much most of the modern masters. And we sell one of his books, do we, we not? We do sell one of his books. And he explains some of this in his book. Oh. Um, so it's called The Art of Cursive Penmanship. Um, but he has another book about Spencerian specifically that we don't sell. I don't know if he offers it other than like he's sold it at pen shows that he like prints out on his own printer yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I remember that one. I bought one of those. Yeah. Um, and he explains more detail, but more like, but he does explain this in the art of curse and penmanship. So yes, traditionally you want to work up your biggest muscles and have whole arm movement and stuff like that. That's what's espoused by um, Mr. Spencer. Um, but Michael Saul, he essentially has like a blended approach. So he says you use some fingers, some wrist, some elbow, some shoulder. So you basically practice, and it's kind of like the best of all worlds. It's like, you know, it's like if you are trying to go a long distance on a, on a bike and you only have like the highest gear, it's going to take you a long time to get up to speed. But then once you are, that's the best gear to be in. That's like the whole arm calligraphy thing. It's going to take you a while to get there, but then it's the most efficient thing to do. Right. Whereas if you have, you know, a really big gear, you're going to be able to sprint and get up to speed really fast, but then you're going to be pedaling like crazy. You're going to get really tired. You're not going to go that fast. That's like using just your fingers. Have, you know, using the blended approach, like Michael Soul says, is like having a bike with multiple gears that you can change. So you can start out in a high gear, you change gears, you know, so you're using a blend of different muscles and you're you're still using some of the fine control in your fingers, but you're also using your elbow and shoulder and all that, and you're getting kind of the best blend of both. So that somebody who doesn't write as much, like all day practicing like crazy, you're going to get some of the benefits, but you still get some fine control. So that's what he touts, and that's generally what I try to remember to do. I can't say I'm like well enough practiced to say that I specifically do it that way every time everything I'm writing but that is what I keep in mind when I'm writing is trying to you know and posture comes into play too if you if you like arresting your elbow on the table you're not using your shoulder right. because your elbow is planted yeah. right so like when I'm writing more than just a couple words you know I will have my my you know elbow at a 90 degree more or less with my shoulder you know kind of hanging my arm so i can have full movement and i will keep in mind moving my arm and shoulder and everything and not just using my fingers so a blended approach is the best way nice boom all right little deep dive like that's like a kiddie pool dive maybe no that's a terrible idea you don't want to dive into a kiddie pool no you're gonna (laughs) die you're gonna die no that's like i don't know diving at the you don't dive unless it's deep. So I don't know where I was going with that analogy. <laughs> you know, a deep dive is kind of, you know, uh, redundancy. It is redundant, it? right? Yeah. I guess you can dive in. No, you can do a shallow dive. I guess. Actually, now that I think about it. I guess in it. a pool, in a 10-foot pool, it would be a shallow dive. In an ocean, it would be a deep dive. Yeah, like, I guess so. You've got a tank strapped. I mean, you can dive in like three feet of water <laughs> if you know what you're doing. If you know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Because you can dive like a surface dive. I'm thinking about this because Ellie is going to. 
we're, we're going to be at a pool next week and, and she's going to go off the diving board for the first time. Oh, she's been doing some swim lessons. She's oh, been, goodness. been afraid to do that. And oh, yeah. she's, uh, she's getting excited about actually going into the deep end. Oh, I can't dive. And all that. No? No, I can't. I have to hold my nose. Like really? I can't go into running without holding my nose. You know, you can lock your nose like inside. I don't know how to your do that. nose. I don't know how to do that. What? No, I don't know how to do that. Just like talk with like a really nasally sound, and you're like blocking your nasal cavity. That's all you're doing. <laughs> yeah, you just did it like that. So you like that. So feeling? I'm gonna be like basically going under, under, you don't have to, underwater like, make the noise with like sounding like sounding like everybody loves Raymond's brother. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kind of, yeah. I mean, you, you know, know what my brother does when he goes underboard? He doesn't know how to do it either. Really? So, my, so Chad, he'll do this. Like, I can't do it, but he, like, covers his nose with his lips. He, he just, like, uses his lips as a nose yeah, plug? Yeah. I mean, that's that's one approach, you know. But, it works for him. No, you can do that. You can, like, like I'll do <laughs> I it right now. Like, you that. can close off your sinuses from the, the inside. I've never been able to do that. It always goes up. You do it a lot unconsciously. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I don't it. have that sort of nose control. I mean, you do it every time you swallow. Like every time you're drinking something, you're not actively smelling like while you're doing it. You can't breathe in through your nose while you're drinking something no, that or eating too. something. <laughs> <I'm t> <laughs> All right, <laughs> Brian, <laughs> what are your favorite reds? I'm guessing they mean red ink. Oh, I, I mean like there's fruit. Could be anything like the things. Cincinnati yeah. Reds. Yeah, that's a sports team, right? Okay, sure. Yeah. I'm like proud of myself because I knew that that existed. Is that baseball? Drew and I are, I think so. I think so. All right. Yes. We're getting a thumbs okay, up. Okay. <laughs> Drew and I are like not the people to ask about anything no. sports. Okay. There we go. Uh, favorite red ink colors. Uh, yeah. I, I have not expanded my ink love in like eight years. I pretty much found the ones I like. It's like me and music. And that's like sticking. Yeah. Right. No, you're not a fan of like modern music. I don't know. I, I can't name you any. I don't know I don't any. Know. Um, so stop di trying. <laughs> and my the reds that I like tend to go a little darker. Yeah, me too. You know, well, or like go, lean a little burgundy too. Yeah. So, uh, Diamine Red Dragon. That's like my go-to favorite red. It's classic. classic. Matador is another good one. Not to s steal your thunder because that was on your list, but uh, thunder stolen. I do like that thunder one. Thunder stolen. Yeah, but Red Dragon came first, so yeah. you know there's that. Um, Diamond Oxblood Classic. That Amazing. is a very popular color. Just Getting in, more in popular. General. Yeah, it's like picking up speed. Yeah. Um, Diamond Writer's Blood, too. That was like a Reddit, you know, one mm -hmm. that came up. That's close to Oxblood. Yeah. That's good. I haven't actually written with that ink yet. I only did it once when Confession. I was testing it. Confession. Yeah. But it's close to Oxblood, right? Yeah, yeah. We have yeah. comparison images. Yeah. Um, Diamond Syrah. I still like that color. Oh, I forgot about Syrah. Mm -hmm. It's burgundy, so, you know, yeah. I would classify it as red, but if you want to be a purist about it, it's burgundy. I was going to put... Um, uh, Night Noodler's Nightshade on here, but that's a little bit too purpley, so I well, didn't. I yeah okay because I that really one love toes that the one line. too. It toes yeah, the I didn't, line. I didn't put it on there. So officially, that no. one is as much red as Syrah is. Yeah, you know, but so that's I like, like them, more on the I like them both. Okay, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. Um, along that line, Noodler's Black Swan and Australian Roses. Mm -hmm. I love that color. That definitely is like a burgundy black. Yeah, like, is it red? I don't know, but I would generally lump it into the category. Yeah. Those are my faves. Yeah. For me, uh, I really like Noodler's Red Black. I think that it's one of those true mm, red blacks one. that doesn't look like Oxblood. It looks just like red and black. In yeah, it's pretty. it pretty much is what it, you yeah, think it, it, I, it, I really it says that. it is. Yeah, I really love So it's, it's one of those inks. And I love Green Black, too. Um, mm. I think Di Diamond Green Black. Diamond Green Black, yeah. And just, you know, and L. Lawrence is one of my favorite inks as mm. well. Something that has mm -hmm. a hint of color, but if you wanted to use it in a professional setting, nobody's going to be like, oh, God, what's that? You know, mm. um, red, red Black has that nice... You know, subtle pop of color, but then yeah. the not so subtle red 
Diamine. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Diamine Matador. Matador, Or yeah. Matador. Matador. Which I Diamond like Matador. Diamond Matador. Yeah, we like to say it like that sometimes. So that, that, one's a, that one's just a really nice, vibrant red. To me, it's as vibrant a red as you can get without feeling like you're grading a paper. Not like I've mm. ever done that, but that red can kind of make me feel like I'm being judged. So mm. I don't like it. Sometimes you need to be judged. Nonsense. Because you're being inappropriate. Nonsense. <laughs> All right, that's the reds. I like how we bring up professional settings and you're literally wearing like a space shirt. But and I I'm value Pokemon. that. I value that because like <laughs> when I first started working here, uh-huh. I was coming from an environment that was just like everybody took the same blue pen or the same black pen from yeah. the same closet. Everybody was using the same stuff. And mm-hmm. once I discovered fountain pens, I, I wish that I could have gone back in mm-hmm. time and given myself like just sitting in that ocean of cubicles where everybody hated everything they were doing every single day. Mm. If I could have had a fountain pen... And just said, you know, here's my my pen with the nib that I right. chose, with the ink color that I chose. Yes. It would have made the day just mm. that much more bearable. Your little, I, your little oasis, your little slice right, of, slice of I, bliss. And I the, instantly, in the uh, coming right out of that work mm-hmm. environment, I instantly understood what fountain pens can do for somebody in that, that sort of environment where you feel like you're just not an individual. You're just part of one big machine. Mm. So I, I, yes, I don't need to have professional ink colors, but my mind often goes there because that Mm. was the first moment that I really understood the value that individualized writing experiences can have. That's cool. Yeah. Drawn upon your own life experiences. I like that. There you go. Very cool. All right. Got one more question for you, Drew. Uh, Idana1009 says, I would be interested in learning more about custom nib grinds. All right, well, let me tell you about custom nib grinds. Do it. Go this, ask somebody this else. This could easily be a very yes, we're deep not dive. doing that. We're not doing that. If you want to know just generally what custom nib grinds are, mm-hmm. Mark Bacchus's website, nibgrinder.com, we'll mm-hmm. link that in the uh, show notes, has a great page in the uh, you know grind section where he has diagrams mm-hmm. of what every nib looks like from the front and then you know kind of pointing at you so that you can see what shape it actually looks like. And then he's got a little short description for each one about nice. what it actually does and its intended writing purpose. Nice. So start there if you just want to get a yeah. good understanding just of a little, what a does ta- what. A little taste, a little yeah, sample. And he's got some exclusive on there too. So like he's got like a Predator Extreme. Like that's a Mark thing. So you're not going to see that other places. But, <laughs> that's an awesome name though. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's it's good. really cool. Yeah. So yeah, start there. And mm-hmm. you know, maybe one day we'll go into it. We do offer some of Mark's nibs on mm-hmm. uh, some pens. Yeah. Also Gina Salarino over at Custom nibsstudio.com we sell some mm-hmm. of her nibs as well so you can get some from the glue pen company every now and then but as yeah, far as a resource yeah. to understand more about them check out mark's website there you go um also another good re- another good resource this is if you want to go maybe a little deeper or get into some you know more like i don't know there's pen repair all kinds of other things um richard bender's website richardspens.com um if you go to his reference pages he's got like a little menu bar on the left side of the he's site. got a lot of stuff there he's got so many resources on there it's kind of ridiculous which is why i'm gonna tell you exactly where to go well, he's got a ridiculous amount of knowledge go to, in his head. he really does um go to reference pages and then that sidebar on, and on that page go to specialty grinds um and that's where he talks it's it's a, it's different than what mark Bacchus has which is why i think it's good if you want to check out both um richard talks a little bit more about like nib grinding in principle and doesn't like necessarily break down like specific grinds and what they do he's got some of that but he talks about nib tuning and smoothing and stuff like that and like the tools that are used and and talks about it more like as an overall principle so i think that both could be really helpful resources for you but yeah click around on richard's site you can learn 
everything in the world you need to know about yeah. pens and vintage pens and repair and how do you identify old pens and all kinds of yeah. cool stuff. Mark, Mark is an active nib grinding professional. So his resource page is more about mm-hmm. shopping. Like, Hey, which one of these do you yeah. want me to do for your nib? Yeah. And Richard is more like a encyclopedia yes. of, well, he calls it the penopedia, yeah. right? So he's, he's a huge <clears throat> resource. He's a legend in like the nib grinding world. Been doing it for decades kind of thing. So Absolutely. good, both good resources. All right, Drew. All right. You got something here. I do. You got I a couple a, of things here. You kind of own the rest of this. I have a hypo, I have a hypothetical here. Okay. Um. So we have our biweekly hypothetical for let's, me to ask you. Oh, let's do it. Okay. Um. So Brian, mm. if you could have one toy from your childhood Ooh. back with you, mm. what would it be? What one do you look toy. upon fondly and say? You know what? I should have kept that. Oh. You can't sell it. So nothing that's like oh. This thing was worth a lot of money. I could eBay that. Okay. No. Good, 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 good guardrail. And there. you have to have actually. None of my toys were worth anything. Anyway, you never so know. It doesn't really matter. You never know. Unless you spend a ton of time on eBay, you have no, no idea. No, I wasn't into valuable things. <laughs> um, like you were into like some video games and stuff that now would be worth like a lot of money. I, but I didn't have any. I, I haven't priced out the Atari pa- Jaguar recently. Have you? You don't know what that thing's worth. It's not it worth It could that. be I a pretty penny. Dang tea is not worth anything. Um, I don't know. Retro game market is like skyrocketing right now. Pretty much know. anything collectible. Can you even find an Atari Jaguar? I had an Atari Jaguar as a kid. Oh yeah, you can get, they're all over on eBay. Really? Any, yes, but you that, would know. You would know, and I wouldn't. Yes, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to distract you. I'm going <clears> to <throat> focus on your question. Yes. So what do you want? One toy that you could bring back. Something that you remember fondly. Like, oh, I played with that thing all the time. I'd like to either have it on a shelf, or maybe I think Joseph would like to play with that. He would enjoy this thing that I enjoyed. So, can I ask a clarifying question? Please do. Does it have to be something that I didn't actually keep? Because my answer is something that i do actually still have then no okay no wait no what you have it why would you need it back if you don't if it never went away okay so can i tell you the thing that i kept <laughs> sure uh so i was really into connects as a do you kid. have the roller coaster i still have the roller no. coaster. yeah i <gasps> saved it i saved it i saw that thing in like fourth grade yeah so there's a connects roller coaster i didn't know you had that. yeah oh yeah my God. i have not built it since i was probably 11 dude I know. You need to build that it, thing with Joseph. It takes up so much room. It's so, and like, I literally would get blisters on my fingers. It's would, the summer. So I'm kind of known. I'm kind of known. I got to tell you the backstory. Oh, on get this. that thing out. Because we got a background. We got a background. So Drew and I will kind of make fun. I'm known for, I'm known for being somewhat focused and rather utilitarian. And some, at, when I get my mindset on something. See cargo pants references in previous. I'm literally wearing them right now. And I have <laughs> things in the cargo pockets. <laughs> I'm actively enjoying the utility of my cargo shorts. Um, What's the most random thing you have in your cargo pockets right now? In my cargo pockets? That you do not need at all. That I don't need? Everything I have in them right now, I need. <laughs> like what? Everything. No. I got my keys. Okay. Only the keys for the, the vehicle I'm driving right now. Okay, okay. And the keys to this building. Because I keep a ring and I like only put on the keys that I need. Because right. otherwise I have too many keys. I bet you have something useless in there. I have my wallet. Okay. There might be useless stuff in the wallet. Like okay. old band-aids or something. <laughs> but like, well, I mean, I do use those. I work a lot. Why do you say old band-aids? That makes it sound like they're used. No, 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 no. They're 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 in the wrapping, but they might may, may, might have been in there a while. <laughs> okay. Because I like you know I'm very active and I like I'll <laughs> like cut my fingers sometimes, you know okay, while I'm okay. out out and about. Do you have a flashlight in band-aid. there? I don't have a flashlight. All right, good. All no, right. I wouldn't consider myself like an EDC okay. guy, though. I do have I do have I actually have two pocket knives on me at the moment. Aha! You do not need two pocket knives. I don't need two. Well. For, I no, never no. carry no. I never carry two pocket knives except 
Today, I brought the second one. One is because I just got a new one and I told you about it and I wanted to show you. The other one is I brought, I, Drew and I realized, not knowing, talking to each other, <laughs> we both bought the exact <laughs> same pocket I, knife. I traded this from uh, Brian Kay. Okay. Um, I, traded so, a, I traded a pen for him, and he gave me this one. So I bought this not knowing that you had yep. this knife. Same color. The exact same yep. knife. And I was like, no way. So I brought, I brought that just because yep. I was like, I got to like it's show the, it's, the it's, official, it's the official it knife. Well, I didn't know you were going to bring I just I just picked you this just one had, from my knife pile this so morning. There you go. So yep. Not useless. It's entertainment now. Okay, fair enough. But All right, it, sorry. I deviated. You were talking about being known as a utilitarian oh yeah, what were we person. Talking about? Are they you said I'm known as a utilitarian yeah, practical yeah, 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 person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we are like tangent on a tangent on a tangent. That was my fault. Okay. Um, so yes, I would. I loved the the Connects roller coaster. I loved Connects in general. Yes. I would build them all the time, uh, and uh, yeah, I would. Uh, I would on a pretty regular basis, on like especially on a Saturday or a summertime when I didn't have any any obligations during the day, I would, you know, basically lock myself in my room mm-hmm. and build the entire Connects roller coaster in one shot. Just when I saw it, when I saw it, it was on your dining room table. Um, like right, right, bet- right between your living room and your kitchen, there was that area. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was, was possible. There. I mean, this thing was eight feet long and three feet high. Good I think Lord. it was huge. It couldn't have been eight feet. It was eight feet long. There were two different. There was like an A set and a B set that like a design that you could do. Oh, the A design was eight feet long. I'm not exaggerating. It was massive, um, but it would take me ten to eleven hours to build it in one shot, and I would I would take a bathroom break if I needed it. But I didn't want to stop. Good. I didn't want to stop for meals. So being the resourceful ten or eleven year old, which my son is eleven now, and I'm like, oh, I so understand why I did it that way because I observe him. So I would just be like. I need something to sustain me. So I would like grab an entire just bag of apples out of the, my mom would keep them in like the the drawer in the bottom of the fridge. So I'd be like, oh, bag of apples, (laughs) food problem solved for the day. That's it. I wouldn't get water or a drink or anything. I was like, apples. There was was liquid in the apples. This solves everything. It's like the cargo (laughs) pants of food. Like apples got it all. Bag of apples. So we always joke. Rachel yeah. gives me a hard time, yeah, too. Yeah, Brian is that's bag just, of apples. That's like classic, like, oh, this is the solution. So you take a bag of apples going to the bedroom, yeah. shut and I'm the talking door. I'm talking like a three-pound bag of apples. For, like ten, hour, for ten, about, 10 hours, eight hours. Yeah, my and, parents would not see me the entire day, and they'd be like, what are you up to? And my, my fingers would be, like, swollen and blistered because I would have snapped so many of these connects together. Yeah. And they'd be like, where have you been all day? And I was like, I built the roller coaster. And they'd be like, what? what also, we're about? out of apples, unrelated. Yeah, we're also out of apples. <laughs> all right, so what? And by the way, I'm BMing like a champ. Because <laughs> <laughs> I saw all the fiber from the apples. <laughs> all right, so what toy are you bringing back? Oh, that's, that's a really good question. All right, what about the race car Donatello that you had? That was pretty cool. The, the Spider Slayer? I, think I, that st- thing? I might that still have that cool Donatello. Too. I think Joseph has that Donatello still. I gave it to him. Nice. Okay. Whether or not it's still like in one piece, I don't right. know. Um, so the Atari Jaguar, maybe? Not, well, that would be fun to like fire it back up and be like, oh, wow. If that's yeah, even a toy. This was just as terrible I, as I, I remember it. I considered gaming no, devices I think, to be professional serious matter i have to see if i still have this i have a bunch of stuff that i pulled out of my parents attic like a year or two ago 
but it was like all boxed up. It was like, it was like basically the leftovers mm. that my parents were just hanging on to my old stuff. And I was like, oh, let me just get all this junk out of here. But I didn't like go through it and get nostalgic about it. So there was it. not was one, like, there was not one thing you, you had that you really loved and now is gone. I think I would get the, the Micro Machines Super Van City. Did you know I still have that? Do you really? Mm-hmm. That thing is fantastic. I Chad, Chad had it. My brother. I spent oh yeah, hours my brother has playing that. with that thing. And somehow that survived, and it is now the toy that my son plays with whenever we go to my grandmother's house. Oh, so that's it's still awesome. There. And they made a new that's one. That's the perfect like grandparents' oh, absolutely. house toy. They made a new one. So um, really? there's a modern one. Yeah, it's red and black. So and it's pretty similar. So now yeah. we we go over our friends Josh and Jeffrey's house pretty regularly. Okay. And uh, Josh and Jeffrey bought the new one mm. for my son Archer to have at their house. So whenever we go over there, he's oh got the, the new Superman city at Josh and Jeffrey's. And then we, he's got the, at my Mimi's house, the, the old white one. Wow. And both are, both are awesome. That old white one is so nineties. Oh, it's so like, cool. Oh yeah. It's that minivan with oh, like yeah. the flat nose to it. Absolutely. Like, looks, looks like a, that, uh, like printed design. Looks on like a Toyota Previa. Yeah, which is like if I got a minivan. I would no, there was like a Previa. there was a Pontiac something, some Pontiac minivan that had like that exact like eraser, the like, Astro, like the pink eraser. No, the Astro that was a Chevy. Okay, no, there's that a Pontiac, one was pointy too, a little bit. But yeah. no, this one was like okay. it looked like a burned out eraser, like those pink <laughs> those pink erasers. It was like that sharp. Yeah. Um, I, I, I came Pontiac up with something. I came up with two up. from two for me. Um, you go ahead. I'm gonna find this. Pontiac. I had the the Talk Boy from Home Alone two, that little recorder. Oh, get out of here! Yeah, I really loved that oh, thing. That's I could definitely see you having yeah. that. Oh yeah, I yeah. love that thing so much. But also, I had the the Green Ranger's Dragon Dagger, and I I loved that thing too. It would make the sound. He like summoned the the, the Dragon Zord with that. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that'd probably be worth a lot right now. But I wouldn't sell it. I just like to have it. So yeah. one of those two things, probably the Talk Boy. Because I have a fun, that's lot of pretty fun classic. That's like yeah. listed on like BuzzFeed articles for like best oh, yeah. '90s toy. Or and whatever. they haven't like brought it back. They they brought they bring back so many things. But then again, what I are you going to do? It's going to be like a what MP3 recorder or something like that. Not even like a cell phone does literally all of those. Yeah, things. but kids don't have. Well, I guess you know not eight year olds anyway. Yeah. Anyway, true. cool. All right. Well, there's Talk the boy. hypothetical. Talk boy, bring it back. Yes. All right, so that is the hypothetical. Next up, we have our flex segment where we just fit in whatever the heck we want. Um, Sometimes it's a recurring thing. Sometimes it's a new thing we've never tried before. And today is one of those days we are going to, I am going to challenge this guy. on Pontiac Trans Oh, my God. That's like what they modeled the thing after. I want that. Right? That is amazing. Look at all those windows. Oh, it's, uh... (laughs) let me see if I can pull it up. Maybe we can... I don't know that we have the rights to show what this thing is, but... Oh, my wife's going to get mad because I'm going to really want one of these. You're going to want one of these. Absolutely. Anyway, I don't know if you can see that, but that's like basically the shape of the Super Van City. That is incredible. <laughs> that is amazing. I bet the dashboard looks sweet. I bet it does. Anyway, yeah, I want I want my dashboard to have like at least three colors. I'm, I'm, I'm bothered by that. In the 90s, there was like yeah. green and orange and red. Hmm. Now it's like everything's like blue or everything's white. Yeah. I miss, I miss it looking like at the inside of a jet. Anyway. Mm. All right. Flex segment. <laughs> I'm going to quiz Brian on a multitude, 10 ink labels within the Noodlers brand of ink. Noodlers has very mm. different uh, ink labels. Some yeah. of them are the same, but a lot of them are you know, either original art by Nathan Tardiff mm-hmm. or other art that uh, he puts on there that is similarly themed. Yeah, he, definitely, he definitely comes up with all labels. Oftentimes he'll take like historical images mm-hmm. and stuff and incorporate them into, them but yeah, he, and he he'll comes use, up with them. And he'll inject his own ink into printers. He does. and he, So he makes the ink that he puts into his printers to print 
the label. He, he hacks inkjet printers because now they have chips in them and stuff. So he like buys vintage, basically inkjet printers, formulates his own ink that is indelible and yep. all this stuff, and and uses it in these like. And he himself things. glue sticks all of these to every bottle, or he, at least he used to. I don't know if he does anymore, but yes, he does. He he told me he bought five thousand glue sticks. <laughs> And I am not exaggerating. I 100% believe this. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen the, the movie <clears throat> Conspiracy Theory with Mel Gibson? Long time ago. That's sort of... I always of, got that confused with Ransom. I don't know. I think I saw them kind of like around the same time. Yeah. Similar vibe, yeah. but different, different storyline. Yeah. No, c- Conspiracy Theory. Look it up. Yeah. Look it up. That's... What does it have to do with 5,000 glue sticks? Uh, the, the, the way that he like sets up his like living structure in that movie is is kind of like what nathan's got going on um a little bit anyway if you see the movie you'll know okay well you'll um, need your um phone or your computer of choice oh. uh if you pull up the digital version of i have my phone right here if you so pull up the digital version of our notes okay. the link to a google doc will be in there All right got it right here and we will also show you, you the, didn't have the link in there earlier yes because i don't want you to thought look. i was gonna sneak you in would there. Look at you. And we'll also put the images up here for I you. I told you I wasn't going to look in advance. You I don't trust, trust you, no. Yeah. Um, we'll also have the images up here for you to play along. So True. I see it, but it's not like going to It's it. not. Yeah, it's just like. It even gave me a little link. It like, no. Oh, phooey. All right, that's fine. Hang on, wait. No, no, hang on. Here we go. Oh, you got it? Okay, yeah, yeah. Hey. All right. All right. No, 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 not that. No, wait, what? Oh, sorry. Here. That's what it came Clear with? Out okay. Clear out of that. Clear out of that. Are these the answers? Yeah, those are the answers. Don't look at Oh, those. I didn't. I didn't I didn't read any of your All right. answers. That's fine. All right, you I will. I gave him the answer link instead of the other link, so that is my fault. All right. Okay. So we're gonna look together now. We're clearly very rehearsed on this. Yes, and I can't even put in my proper password. What? You're under pressure now. All right. Under pressure. All right. Uh, All the Queen songs coming out today, don't we? Oh yeah. All right. What are we doing here? Noodlers. Ink quiz. All right. Here we go. Um, where's one? Here we go. All right. Here's the first one. Okay. What is that? That's Bad Belted Kingfisher. He is correct. Yeah. You get a gold star. It's got the Kingfisher right on it. Well, yes, but it's also a blue bird. Some people might not. It's Warden's Series Inc. It is. It does say Warden's along the side. Yep. Which means it is like everything proof. And we're going to have these images up so people can see it. That's right. Did you get that right? Yeah. All right. (laughs) These are in no particular order of difficulty. Okay, I'll guess it's slower. That way um, people have more time to, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so there's the Kingfisher. And that, okay. is, that is definitely Nathan Tardiff original art as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yes, it is. Um, and now, okay. number two, get ready. Okay. This should be an easy one. Oh, that's L. Lawrence. Okay, well, yeah. okay. This is indeed yeah. L. Lawrence. Um, and this, I said I was uh, going to leave more time for people to guess, and I yes. didn't at all. Um, well, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so well, that is that is Colonel from... that is Colonel um, Thomas Edward Lawrence, and he was killed on that motorcycle. I did not know he that. he was. He was swerving out of the way of children. Oh man! And he died. Yeah. Did he like crash or was he, he crashed like, and attacked? Died. Yeah. Oh, well, gosh. he died several days later from his injuries. But oh, man, yeah, he was coming over a hill. Didn't see them until the last moment. Wow. Swerved and. Met his end. Wow. Yes, very sad. That's rough. Um, all right. So okay. number three, Noodler's Inc., you're doing well, Brian. Thank you. Let's see if this continues. Drew told me about this idea, and I was like, Lord, I hope I remember these. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying I'm gonna, to. I'm not going to seem legit if no, I No, I'm not these. trying to stump you. I'm not trying to stump you. All right. Okay. Here, this one's slightly harder. Oh, fart. Okay. Let's see. This is 
not coming to me right away. Okay, the, the, there's a clue on here. It says uh -huh. this, uh, the color of the sultan's... The tiles within yes. the sultan's six... Minarets. Minarets. Yes, the tiles. Uh, shoot. Think 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 about uh, think about blank. think about like the the environment that such a palace would be in. Mm -hmm. There's a clue as to the location and the name of the ink. Mm. Oh man, I might have to I might have to call it on this one. All right, this is, not coming is to me. Ottoman Azure. Ah. Yes. Okay. And this is the uh, um yeah. this is the Sultan Ahmed Mosque, mm. also known as the Blue Mosque in Istanbul, Turkey. Mm. Not not the Taj Mahal. Okay. At a glance, I it's knew like, it wasn't the Taj Mahal. Yeah, at, at a glance, it's like, hey, it's got Mahal. pillars, it's a thing. Like yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, I was I was I was thinking like, is that Russia? Because I know he did a Russian series of ink. I was like, no. I was like, it's not India. Yeah, Ottoman yep. Azur. All right. Gosh. Well, hey, you, you yeah. were doing great. Okay, it's, thank you. It's gonna I be, am human after all. There we go. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I haven't looked at some of these bottles in a long time. Okay, number four. All right, let's do it. Skadoosh. Oh, gosh. I know. You know what? This, is, this image is the one I saw that made me think, oh, my gosh, I don't know what this is. I should do a thing about it because uh -huh. I didn't know this one either. But it looks super cool. It's really detailed. Obviously, yeah. there's, some, there's some meaning there, Definitely. a lot of meaning there. Definitely. Lots of... Coats of arms is? Yes, one might even say heraldry. I don't, that sounds like a clue, but I don't no, know. No, it's not. It's literally, that, that's, uh, what, that's what, that's the, the, what it means. Yeah, the study of coats of arms Specialty is. Specialty issue. Heraldry. Uh, I want to say. I didn't know this one at all. I was like, did, like, is this new? Why haven't I ever seen this? But I actually have seen it. We've, oh, been, we've sold it? it for quite a long time. Is it, is it a Russian ink? There's one that's like bright green. Which one is that? Oh, You're close, shoot. but not close at all. Okay. <laughs> ha! Maybe I'm thinking of like St. Patty's Ire. Ooh. Is that it? No. no. Do you want to know? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. This is, it is Russian, but not a part of the Russian inks because this is Noodler's Zhivago. Huh. Okay. Right. I didn't know. So this, this. You know, uh, you know what the problem is, Drew? Like most of these inks when we use them, like we use samples. Like we're using oh, yeah. samples. So I'm not actually looking at the I know, bottles that often. But a lot of them are really cool and I wanted to draw yeah. attention to it. Okay. So that is the greater coat of mm. arms of the Russian Empire as it existed in the early 1900s when huh. Dr. Zhivago took place. Hmm. It was written in the 50s by Boris Pasternak. But um, the movie took place during like, you know, the Russian Empire's final decade. And that's the greater coat of arms. There are several versions hmm. of the coat of arms, a mid one, but that's the big, the big, crazy detailed one. Cool. Fascinating, right? I have a fun story about uh, Dr. Zhivago, the movie. Tell me. So that is Rachel's, Rachel's dad is like a big movie buff. Oh. Um, and he, uh, his favorite movie of all time is Dr. Zhivago. Rachel and I, uh, she saw it when she was like younger. But it's like a, it's a not a kids movie, you know. No, I wonder was that movie. a two VHS movie? It was. It's a two parter. Yeah, yeah, we we had it. I never watched it though. So Rachel and I were newly married. We had <clears throat> this newfangled subscription called Netflix. Oh, with the discs, with the DVDs. Mm -hmm. Netflix streaming was not a thing yet, uh, and we had no cable or anything. So you know, we did the Netflix DVD mm -hmm. thing. So we would get like Scrubs and like our favorite TV mm -hmm. that's shows. That's how we first on watched. DVD. That's how we first watched Office. Yeah, exactly. So we were doing that, and we got Doctor Zhivago. Cool. 
Well, here's the thing. When they mail you these DVDs, they don't mail you the cases. Mm-mm. You just get the disc. Yeah, just like and, a, a paper sleeve. Yeah, and so I put the disc in what I thought was disc one, <gasps> and we start watching it. And it's like a train, and it's kind of going along. And you know how sometimes these old, older movies, yeah, yeah. they got like a whole bunch of stuff that goes on, and oh, then the credits kind of no. start, and there's music with yeah. credits that go on forever. So I'm like, okay, like, cool, old movie. Like, the credits are going to kick in here soon. And then people are just, like, walking on the train and start talking. I'm like, who who are these people? What the hell are they talking about? Are the credits coming? And we, like, so we're, like, watching for kind of a while oh to, like, gosh. it's kind of been a while. Like, they just really just went right into this movie. And we're like, well, I guess, I don't know, maybe that's just how they used to do it. And then, like, an hour goes by. and then an like hour. The en- And then, like, the end credits go. Cause you we watched wa- the whole thing? We watched the entire second disc. Oh, my God. Thinking it was the first disc. Oh, wow. And then when the credits roll, we were like, wait a minute. <laughs> we're like, this is supposed to be, like, a three-hour movie. Oh. Oh, my gosh. So, I... And I have not yet rewatched Dr. Zhivago. So I've only That's seen funny. it once, and it was, like, Tarantino style. Like, I watched the back half of it first. <laughs> and then, literally, the whole second disc which was actually the first we were just like oh that's who that is nice and it was just like forehead smacking the for like two straight hours as we were nice. like realizing what a dingbat move I had, yeah. I had done we did the same thing we watched not the same thing but another netflix mail disc moment we mm. watched spy game with robert redford and brad pitt Ooh. totally forgot about it. it was just not memorable as a movie at mm. all rented it a second time watched it we we're like huh <laughs> Seems a little familiar. Got about like, you know, 20 minutes in. We're like, we've seen this before. <laughs> and then now I still, even watching it two and a half times in, wow. I still don't remember what it's about. All right. Wow. Number five. <laughs> Must have been that good. It's not. It's some powerhouse names to have a movie that know, forgettable. Right? Kind of wow. like Monuments Men. Remember that? Like everybody was in it, but it was totally a forgettable movie. Yep. It's fine. Very All forgettable. Right. Yep. Next up. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I know this one. I this know you've seen Borealis it. Borealis Black. Right? Oh, bing, bing. Yeah? Okay. Well done. Yes. And as uh, many of you know, Borealis Black is was intended to be somewhat of a analog to uh, Aurora, Black, Aurora Black, which yeah. was a very, very popular It was known as like for, one of the wettest writing inks yeah. of the time. Yeah. And Nathan was like, well, I'll make Aurora, a really wet Borealis. black ink too. Yeah. yeah. Except this one has permanence to it. Yep. Okay. Well done, Brian. Mm. You're on the upswing now. Making a comeback. Okay. Number six. Surviving myself. Okay. Uh, um. Oh, gosh. Hmm. We've got a mesa of some kind. Native American gentleman. Mm-hmm. 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 Nathan often has Native American theming in many mm-hmm. of his things. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. There are a couple things it could be, definitely. Uh, there's a lot of orange in the label. So yes. I'm guessing it's an orange Good call. Color. Good call. Oh, man. What is this? Probably Base State Blue. Oh, it's not. It's not. Oh, man. It's not, it's not coming to me. Think of some tribe names. You're already lost with it. No, so I mean, like, like the only thing that's popping in my head is Navajo Turquoise, and that's not it. You're close. You're close. <sighs> Think of another color and another tribe. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, this was Jeremy's favorite ink, a former team member. Oh, gosh. I should know that. Yeah, we bought him one of those. We got a huge bottle Yeah, that's it. right. Oh, man. 
Now I really feel like I should know it. Dang it. What was that color? This was Apache, Wait, Apache Sunset. Sunset. Apache Sunset. Or as Jeremy said, Apache. I love that color, too. <laughs> I know. I thought, I thought this Crap, was an easy one. I think one. that's in my favorite colors <gasps> set that we have oh, online. Oh, no. But again, I never look at the bottle. For like, shame. I know. I just think it's a pretty oh, one. It's a pretty cool. one. Yeah, that's right. Man, wow. I'm okay. realizing how long it's been since I've really studied some you of these get, You get another chance. Hey, we've still got four more. Ooh, All right. Oh number gosh, seven. Okay. All right. Ready? Yep. Feeling good? All right. All right. Let's do it. Boom. Uh, yeah. Uh, habanero. Mm, <gasps> habanero. Habanero? Habanero. Cayenne. Cayenne. Habanero is different. That's like Ca- Habanero is kind of lumpy. Yeah. But it is. It, it does have pictures of habanero, but those... It's like the sailor habanero. <laughs> that one's like... Yeah, exactly. It shows a picture <laughs> That's of... That's why the, habanero right. jumps right in my mind. Oh, no. Sailor ruins you. Um, on the sailor, orange, on yeah. the sailor too hot habanero pen, on the finial, it yeah. shows like a pepper, it's but like a habaneros are not pepper. shaped like that. No, nah, they're so. little lumpy, little pumpkin looking Yes. Uh, <laughs> lumpy little pumpkins. Little lumpy pumpkins. All right. Yeah. So if you got cayenne, you cayenne. were right. Okay. Yeah, All right. That was close. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you had to right All right, it? number eight. Okay. I didn't know this one either. This oh, is a hard one. It's like an owl. It is an owl. Looking right at you. It's yes. into my soul. Exactly. That's what owls do. Owl, owl, something. This one's going to be hard. I, I didn't know this one. themed one? I asked Micah. He got it right. Really? But Micah's like obsessed with noodlers, so. Huh. Oh, gosh. What is owl themed? Don't look too deep. Does it have anything to do with owls? Pretty much no. Well, oh, kinda. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, can you tell me what color? Like, it's green. It's a green. That doesn't help me. Well, then why'd you ask? Because I thought it might help me. <laughs> uh, I want to say like <laughs> I even want to say black forest because that's the Lamy that's on my brain now. Forest, forest, something, something, forest, Forest Gump. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really, really close. Uh, why can't I remember this? Forest Green? Is yes! Forest Green. Yes! That's just a Noodler's Inc. I don't think about very much. I, I, I love the color, but I have never seen this label. I gotta be honest, I don't remember this label I've at all. never seen this. I never saw this. I never saw Zhivago. Those totally tripped me up. Yep. Yeah, but okay. it's, it's an owl. All right, I appreciate right. the alley-oop on that one. Owl-y-oop? Uh, hey All right, number nine. I don't know what it is, but it reminds me of the never-ending story. Oh goodness! Which brings me, back, brings me back to my childhood. So you, you, you were the first. You had this ink before we carried it. Hmm. I think. No, maybe not. Actually. Oh, is this blue upon the plains? No, of that's the, that's what I'm thinking of. I was but wrong. That's, that's not the right. That's not this one. No, that's sorry. Right I was one. thinking about that one. That's what the clue was. But no, you didn't. Have close, that. close though. Um, All right. Literally, what are we looking at here? It looks like a lake. Right, and but what's what's scene. all right? All right, but purple what's, mountain, ah! purple, ah! purple. Say the thing again. Purple mountain. Yes. Majesty. Yes. Purple mountain majesty. Uh, yes, technically majesties. Purple mountain majesties. Or purple okay, mountains okay. majesty. Mountain purple, majesties. Purple yes. mountain. Majesty. Yes. There you like go. The, like the song. Yeah, like uh, uh, yeah. Uh, no, um, America. The uh, America. The yeah, yeah. Yeah, I should know the difference between those two, but I don't. Yeah, I think you did. All right. All right, we are down to the last, last one. Last one. All right. Let's see if I can do it. Ba-boom. And I'm said not available in this size because we only sell this in the um, four, oh, and, four this and a half is ounce Kung bottle. Chang, right? No, Whaleman Sepia. Sorry, Whaleman Sepia. Okay. I've, I'm, I'm going to let Whaleman you have that one because you, 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 you knew. We carried them both like right at the same time, so that's yes. why they came. But that's, that's Manjiro Whaleman Nakahama, Sepia. Whaleman Sepia. Whaleman Sepia. And yeah. let me Kung just... Kung Chang's purple, and it's a different... Yeah. And let me just tell you, have you? do you know... 
who Manjiro Nakahama is. Oh, gosh. I've researched it before oh, did you? and forgot. Yeah. It's amazing. The dude needs his own movie like yeah. right now. Okay, so I'm going to try <laughs> to be quick on this, but you need to know about this guy. Okay, okay. so Manjiro shipwrecked at like the age 14 or something like that on an island with his friends because he was fishing. Storm mm-hmm. blew him, shipwrecked him. An American whaling boat captained by William Whitfield rescued him and his friends um, eventually, uh, they dropped his friends off in ha- uh, uh, Hawaii. He stayed with cap- the Captain uh, Whitfield, was educated in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. hence the whole Noodlers connection yep. there. Um, continued his whaling career with Whitfield. Um, he didn't think to return to Japan because they were, that was during their isolationist period. Isolation. Mm-hmm. Isolationist, isolationist period, period. Mm-hmm. and it, uh, leaving the country was punishable by death so he's like I don't mm, think I can go back there I'm cool. so um, he instead said okay there's a gold rush going on in California let me do that thing mm. went over there mined some gold made like 600 bucks which is a big deal mm. and like so he's already encountering things that no Japanese person has encountered at that time yeah. like with America like a big part of American history there so um, and then he's like you know what no I am going to go home I made some money Gonna figure it out. So he got to Okinawa after buying a boat in Hawaii, picked up his buddies that were still there that originally he was shipwrecked with, got to Japan, uh, was taken into custody, questioned for like months. And then they realized, okay, you know, you're you're all right. You know, you didn't you didn't do this on purpose. Um, and then you know, got to live back in Japan for a couple of years. He was brought back in for more questioning uh, with the the shogunate. You know, who was it was under mm. shogun rule. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, yeah, you're extra cool. We're going to make you a samurai that directs report direct uh, reports directly to the shogunate. So you're just you know super cool. But that also means you can't really talk to anybody about your story except for on official like government business. So hmm. they kind of got that under their wow. under their belt too. But he told them about American shipbuilding stuff, mm. helped them in like learn about things that they just didn't know about at that time. Wow. And then so yeah, samurai now. And then he went on to study military science in Europe, where he eventually did come home to back to Japan after stopping by the US to meet his old buddy Captain Whitfield again in Massachusetts. Wow. How touching is that? Eventually becoming a professor at the University of Tokyo. Like this guy did it all. And wow. he was probably the first Japanese person to take a train in America, ride a steamboat. Definitely the first Japanese person to have some sort of a command or a position of authority within like an American, you know, hmm. uh, whaling vessel or, you know, seafaring vessel of some oh, yeah. kind. Um, like the, big business back then. Oh my gosh. Insane. Like he did everything around such a crazy point in wow. world history. And uh, in Massachusetts, there's a uh, Whitfield Manjiro Friendship Society that has, oh. that does tours about like where he and uh, the wow. captain lived. They celebrate like multicultural connection. Like it's a big deal. Wow! I found that to be tremendously fascinating. So it's pretty fascinating. And Nathan's family is they've got like whale like whaling roots like yeah. up in Massachusetts and stuff like that there. So yeah. I don't know if he's directly related to Captain Whitfield, but yeah. you know. Probably, I'd, so yeah, probably he, he his needs, family probably knew the guy at least. He needs a Netflix series. He needs a sh- movie. I don't know, but that is that is crazy cool. So there you go, Manjiro. I hear stories like that, and I'm like, what am I like? What am I doing? Like, <laughs> Why am I not a samurai? <laughs> there's like so much like that happened to yeah. that guy. Like that's crazy. Um, and there's more too. Like that that is like just the surface. Wow. Yeah, this guy was crazy, mm. crazy amazing. Wow. All right. Cool. All right. So that's that. Cool. So that's all the like official pen business stuff to talk about. Um, we can just talk a little bit about some of our own personal stuff. Yeah, what's happening? What's happening? So, Drew, you 
just had some things happen. Yeah, I went to the Raleigh or the Triangle Pen Show. It's mm-hmm. the pen show in Raleigh, North Carolina yeah. that they call the Triangle Pen Show. Was this the first pen show that's happened this year? I think so. Yeah, I think I'm so. I'm not aware of it another one. It's normally not a super busy pen show. It's a relatively small show, yeah. but I this one was for that show very busy. Because you've been to the show before. You've yeah, been in other years. Yeah, like yeah. last last I have uh, yeah I've been there the last three times. I think this is my fourth trip there. Really, um, been there four times. Wow, it's uh, it's pretty accessible. It's just you know three hour drive south. Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty hopping, but it was nice to see some pen mm. friends, make some new ones. Um, I went to a restaurant that sold burgers and sushi, so that was that was definitely interesting. Huh. Yep. So it was called like as two separate items. It was, or called, like, it was called cowfish, like burgers with sushi on it. Uh, they had sushi rolls with burger stuff in them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that that seemed How nasty. I don't that? think anybody got those. No. Oh, but uh, one 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 person did I get. I feel like that that wouldn't be cool. Yeah, no, it doesn't <laughs> like, sound cool. But that was definitely interesting. <laughs> yeah. Definitely interesting. Um, so yeah, and I had um a really awkward interaction that just really defined me as a human being that i think oh. you might enjoy laughing like at. awkward like you awkward oh absolutely oh okay absolutely. cool yeah so tell us all let's about let's it. flash back to 2005 when my wife moved in with me in richmond we okay. drove her car from florida to richmond and oh, it yes. exploded in georgia yes yes um so when we got towed uh <laughs> the gentleman who was towing our car um was you know in retrospect retrospectively you know obviously from puerto rico and he had a flag hanging from his rear mirror mm-hmm. and in my ignorance i was like oh you're from texas um, oh wow! It's stupid. The Texas flag has a flat blue bar, one star, two lines, red, white. His triangular blue, you know, with a mm. star, three bars. Like, and I know that, but I was mm. an idiot, and I was just like, ah! and he's like, no, it's Puerto Rico. Mm. Shannon just makes fun of me constantly for that. So flashback. It's good, to, that, she, it's good that she has that. Sixteen years so later, stupid. you so, know. Flashback to you know the Raleigh Pen Show. I meet a pen friend that I had um, spoken to on Instagram. Knew she was from Puerto Rico. And I said something stupid about like, oh, oh, hey, yeah, you're the person with the big hat and your profile picture. She's like, no, no, I don't have a, I don't, that's not a thing. I was like, oh, well, you know, just grasping at straws in my awkwardness. And then I see that she's got a shopping bag. I'm like, oh, I see you got a, 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 a representation of the uh, home country there. She's like, no, this is Texas. So it was the Texas Flag. You literally had like the opposite situation. <laughs> so stupid. It was from a vendor at the show, and I'm like, "All oh, right, yeah." Just, wow, that's just so. If you ever meet me, like, just be aware. There's, it's real easy to make your own uncomfortable. It's kind of fun. It's also, yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. I, I'm so smooth. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, and. Wow. This past weekend, I went to Smith Mountain Lake, and uh, that was delightful. Before mm. we got in the car to drive, that's about a three-hour drive, okay. we stopped at uh, the drugstore to pick up my son's prescription and then some road snacks, right? So we're in the candy zone. Love, ro- love road snacks. Absolutely. Yeah, I got to get some some of those Albanese gummy bears, the really squishy ones. Oh. Ooh, they're nice. You have, like, a preferred, like, brand of gummy bears? I mean, I'll get down on some Haribo, too, but uh, the Albanese... Not the sugar-free ones, though. No. I've read look, reviews on those. Yeah, look that up on Amazon. No, thank the, you. The five-pound bag of uh, Haribo sugar-free gummy Bad bears. Bad things happen. So <laughs> I'm in the candy aisle, and this guy comes up with the, with a CVS representative. Oh. And he's just, like, frantically, like, I, just, I don't, where? And she's like, ah, I don't think we have any. He's like, how could you, how could you not have dots? How could you not have dots? <laughs> and Shannon looks at me, like, and I'm just like... And then, and then she's like, oh, I hear something. He's like, yeah, see, see, I knew. He grabs two boxes, looks at me and Shannon like, 
He was like befuddled that dots weren't immediately available. Right. And he, he wherever it was and that he, he was. looks at us and is like, Oh, can you believe this crap? And Shannon's just like and I'm just like, how is this happening to me? Like Now you know now you know why dots are everywhere. You got guys like this walking around like demanding dots. And he looks at us like, can you believe this injustice that almost <laughs> almost befell me? Two boxes, too. So, you know, he was like, I'm not risking the next stop that I go, them not having dots. So I'm getting two boxes. God. So that's, that's, what's, that's what's been happening with me. Just How big were the boxes? Like? Just, just the standard boxes, like the ones, st- that, the ones that invaded my office. Those are big boxes. Yeah. That's a lot of dots. I think that's the only thing dots come in. Really? I think so. I don't know. I don't know. I don't wow. care. What's going on with you, Brian? Wow, I none of my stuff is that interesting. <sighs> That's really funny, the dots thing. That it's just tragedy after tragedy. With how me. could they not have dots? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I'm like, if of all the people, of all the people to observe this interaction at CVS. Yes, yes, that's really good. Um, yeah. So for us, the kids have finished up virtual school. Thank goodness. Um, more of a celebratory thing for Rachel because she's the one who's like actually been helping them. The kids, when they like can't log in or something, they like, if Rachel's like not there or in a meeting or something like that, the kids come to me and they're like, I can't log in. I'm like, okay, so what are you going to do? <laughs> they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, where, where, where do you log in? Like, I, I'm not trying to be a jerk. It's part of like a dad instinct of mine. I was like, I'm going to empower my kids to like fix their own problems. Like I don't have all the answers. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I don't know. What do you expect me to just like do it? I don't know. I'm not in your login in school every day. Yeah. You're the one doing it. I'm like, you got to log in. Where's your password? I don't know. I don't know. Is it written down somewhere? Like, where, where's your dang password? <laughs> like, I don't know this stuff. You know, so like that's my You don't require them to use one password? Uh, no, they don't have it. Well, <laughs> it's on a Chromebook and it's a whole thing. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, they come to me. So, like, they know not to come to dad because dad, <laughs> dad doesn't actually solve their problem. <laughs> Dad just, like, cranks up the intensity for them to then, like, go solve their own problem. Uh, but anyway, so it's much easier for Rachel now. But now it's like the kids are just like, we're like, yay, virtual school's over. But now it's like, oh, wait, we have two feral children for, like, the next three months. What are we going to do so they don't just, like, melt into their devices for the next three months? Give them a bag of apples. Send them upstairs. <laughs> I know, right? That's kind of true. They, you need to break out the Connect roller coaster. You still have it. I do still That's have it. That's your key. That, that should be my summer project. I should build that with the kids. Yes. We did build the Ferris wheel. There's like a big Ferris wheel, Connect Ferris wheel. I did build that with the kids. Mostly it was me building. But that was a couple of years it's ago. It's a ceremony. The, the father passing the son the roller coaster and the bag of apples. Yeah, you know what? My kids do freaking devour apples. <laughs> it's Both in their blood. Them. I'm not joking. We buy, I will buy, when I'm stocking up, I will easily buy five oh. to seven pounds of apples at a time. <laughs> yeah. For four people? For three. Rachel doesn't really eat them much. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just three of us. Yeah. And Joseph is like, he wants Fuji apples. That's like his uh-huh. go-to. Rachel prefers Gala. I like both of those, but I really like Honeycrisp. I had an apple on the way here. Literally, as I was driving on the road, I was eating an apple, a big cosmic apple, like cosmic crisp is what it's called. It's like the size of a grapefruit. It's fantastic. <laughs> and it's like honey crisp, but it's not quite as tart. So oh, it's like God. perfect. I love apples. <laughs> My family's all specific with their apple preferences. Ellie's the only, Ellie likes Granny Smith. Rachel <laughs> likes them every now and then. Joseph doesn't. Joseph likes Golden Delicious. I'm just... 
So like I got to like inventory like our apples and like ration them and like I have to hide apples oh. in like back parts of the fridge so that I have them when I want cuz my kids will devour any apples that they see. I just I'm just getting a flashback like when you're talking about your utilitarian approach to food. I just got a flashback yeah. of like the bowl of random meat and things you would bring into the conference room and we would have meetings back here. Uh I I had a bowl of meat for lunch today. <laughs> He would walk in. He'd come into like a meeting. No one's eating. Brian would have this giant bowl with like just, oh, with like lunch meat and just, stuff. Yeah, just yeah, a pile yeah, yeah. of lunch meat, and you'd have a salad kind of in there at the same time. It wasn't. It wasn't a thing. It was just a series of different food items all yes, put into a bowl. But it was absolutely utilitarian. I had some cheese in there. I have you know. Yes, there was no rhyme or reason to it. It was sustenance. Yeah, just like this will be effective in not making me hungry any longer. Yeah, basically. It was the it was the apple kid in the conference room. Yeah, that's like the modern version of that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that or I used to have like a salad that was like, you know, it was in a, a barrel back when I was like really eating healthy. Yeah, I would eat, I would get like a gigantic bowl and I would eat, I would be eating a salad for 45 straight minutes. Like my jaw would actually cramp because I'd be just chewing for 45 straight minutes. That's why I gave up on the salad is it was just like, oh my God. but I could like prep the salad on Sunday night and like put it in different containers. And then each day I had like a salad. Good to go. I'm sorry. I, but yeah, no, I had. So I'd like. I do this like uh, deconstructed stuffed pepper thing. It's like our family's go-to meal. So I do like one pan, cast iron pan. This is, I'm sure all you've wanted to know this. Um, but if you're watching this far, you definitely don't have anything better to do. So you can listen to me talk about my meal. But um, we'll do um, bell pepper, like uh, usually like a ground bison or ground beef. And then we'll have onion, um, you know, stuff like that. And then like do some like taco seasoning, stuff like that in there. And, and black beans, pinto beans. So it's like, you know, if you have like a stuffed bell pepper kind yeah. of thing, but like stuffed bell peppers, like what's the friggin' point? Like you cut them up anyway. Yeah. You yeah, got to cook them for like 40 minutes in the oven. I'm like, I'm yeah. just going to throw all this in a dang pan. So I make like three pounds of meat, like all the time. So we have a bunch of leftovers and it makes great lunches. Yeah, like, yeah. So I literally had a bowl of like random, like meat stuff and a gigantic apple. That was my lunch today. That's what's fueling me right now. <laughs> I don't know if I should be thankful or <laughs> upset at that. It's really funny that you know me that long and, like, not that much has changed. I'm still wearing cargo shorts. <sighs> I still play with toys, um, which is my – going to get onto – yeah, we haven't we haven't gotten into my thing. That actually is the next topic, so we'll, well segue that. Well, comp, 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 nay updates. Oh, no, no, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, you no, are. No, yeah, my, yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. So I got – What's happening with Brian? I did get some new puzzles. So I'm at the point now I've, I have some, some various obsessive hobbies, woodworking, fountain pens, puzzles, um, and I got some new puzzles. It's at the point now where I bought, like – most of the standard puzzles and stuff i have i have i don't remember the exact count i want to say it's around 140 puzzles at this point many of them are just different configurations and things like that and where does rachel allow you to keep these um i have them stowed away in different parts actually i have a lot of them in my my closet okay because they were well there's plenty of them strewn about the house as well (laughs) my kids also pick them up and like mess them up and then leave them in random places yeah, the the apple has not fallen far from the tree. On that ah, one. the giant grapefruit um, apple. So yeah, I just got some some new puzzles. So you know, I've talked about Rubik's cubes and stuff like that before, and I thought I would just you know show some of the other ones that would probably that's, break your brain a little that's bit. Not this is a called a, Rubik's. This, this is called the conjoined three by three. 
um, a, a three cube conjoined three by three. So like the you, you can't you can't turn it in the same way. So it actually it uses completely different algorithms than a regular three by three because it's uh, it's what's called bandaged. So if you ever have a part of a cube that you can't turn, so like this part in the middle here, like can't turn. So you have to you have to solve it in different ways. So I've, I've almost solved it, but the last part in the middle there, I just have the a few left to solve, and I haven't quite gotten there. So I don't like I'm that working at on all. that one. <laughs> that upsets me greatly. Yeah, this one will upset you a little more, maybe. Um, so this is a conjoined three by three, but it's asymmetric. So the pieces are not all the same size as it goes across. You can see there, and it's mirrored too. So like the color is all the same, which actually it seems harder, but it's actually easier because there's can be multiples of the same piece. Um, but yeah, it's, you got the same bandaging going on there. Um, except that it can be, you don't have color to use like where, which piece should go where. So you have to use the size to help understand. So it's, it's similar algorithms actually would solve very similarly, but, um, it just looks really cool. So I like these because they're fun and they look really complicated, but they're not so bad. Oh, I'm sure they're super easy. Yeah. And I'm now at the point where like these obscure puzzles, like these are new, these just came out. So like I have... I have like puzzle websites that I check out for their like new arrivals. Are you on their wait list? And things like that. Well, it's like I don't know what's gonna be what's gonna be coming out. Uh, they don't like necessarily list stuff that's like yet to come. Have you ever listened to a puzzle like podcast? I've tried and they're <laughs> awful. Cause it's basically like fourteen year olds oh, that nice. are like they don't know how to podcast and they're like super nerding out on it, but it's not like very entertaining. So meanwhile, I'm like, okay. we're professionals and we just have everything clearly organized and I mean, curated. kinda <laughs> right. I'm nothing against fourteen year like power to them. They're they're podcasting, but it was like you know, they're not talking about the content, and it's very visual. It's like yeah, yeah, it is know. very visual. I don't know. Maybe I should start a uh, puzzle, All right. puzzling podcast. I see. I, you really need to get to this other bullet point because what the <laughs> heck? I didn't tell you about this one. And no, I, just put on I, I saw just, this. All, like what? All right, this, Explain this yourself. Next point. So I just did this last night on a whim. Um, so yeah, I uh, well, you know, you're a homeowner. You have weeds that come up. Yeah, yeah but I don't do and, this to them. Well, I didn't until yesterday, and it was a heck of a lot of fun. So um, I've had weeds. I have I have a, a sidewalk that's like a paver sidewalk, you know, and it's a few years old. So like weeds will grow up in between yeah, all the right. pavers, of course. And I have uh, I have a paved driveway, but there's like some cracks in it, and I need to get that fixed or whatever. But like weeds will grow up in the cracks of the driveway, um, and so usually I'll use like a, a weed killer spray right. kind of thing. But the chemicals common. in the chemicals in them are not good, and we live on a well and not that I'm spraying them all the time, but I'm just conscious. And my kids are running around at summertime. They're running around outside. Sure. I don't want them like running and all that, especially on things like the sidewalk. So I've heard about this like flamethrower thing or torch, I guess would be the more appropriate term, but essentially you can hook this thing up to a propane tank and, and it, 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 it you, you torch the weeds, like you burn them and, and then they're like done. They're like gone. Is this like a very small flame? No. <laughs> so that's the thing is like sometimes, you know, you like you like see something online or you read about it or whatever. And you're like, oh, OK, I get the concept. I'm thinking I, propane torch like, you know, like a smaller like. Pro, you like the, the Col- Coleman. Well, torch that's like a butane. That's like yeah, a small, yeah. not like a camping torch. I knew it was going to be bigger than that. But like a propane, like if you like sweat copper pipe or like plumbing, like, you know, something like that. No, like it, there, to use this thing, it requires you to hook it up to minimum to a 20 pound propane tank, like something you have for your grill. And so I like didn't quite read about that. And I was like, I was thinking like maybe like one of those camping, like 
you know, things. You know, like the little camping butane. I was thinking like yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. The, the thing that screws directly onto the tank. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, that's not big enough. You need a propane tank, like a portable grill tank. I'm just picturing you with one of those like Elon Musk, you know, not a flamethrower guns. It's more powerful than that. It. I'm not joking. So like I read the instructions, right? It's I forget how many BTUs. It's like 50,000 or something like that. It's... I almost I almost recorded a video so that we can yes. insert it in here. Maybe I'll do that tonight and insert it after the fact. I am not joking. When I fired that thing, I read all the instructions because it's fire, right? And it's like I don't want to blow myself up, but I do want to kill my weeds. So I hooked this thing up. I got a fresh propane tank, and, you you know, it's got a pilot, you know, so it's like got a little flame, and then it's got a little, you know, little handle Igniter, thing, like yeah. a little lever yeah. oh. that you push, and that, that opens it wide open and lets the, lets the flame really go. So it tells you in the instructions to, like, you need to have the valve, like, all the way open. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll follow the instructions. So I do that. It sounds like a friggin' hot air balloon. Like, you know when they yeah, fire yeah, yeah, it? Yeah, it's yeah. like, <gasps> that's exactly what it sounded like. And it shot a blue flame, like, a foot out of the end of this thing. And I was like, wow. And it was loud. Like fire, like <laughs> huge fire like coming out of this. Fire. So I like, I was like, okay, I'm gonna disobey the instructions. Like I'm gonna to- tone this thing down a little bit, wise, wise. Because it was like Rachel and the kids were in the house, and I was like, I've had this thing for a couple of weeks, and I hadn't fired it up yet. I just I don't know why I did it last night. I was just like, I want to get rid of these weeds. So I fired that thing up, and I was like, oh, Rachel's gonna think that like something is like blowing up outside. Did she hear you? Uh, well, because I turned it down a little bit, right, I think okay. I think I was okay. But like, I, I, I have to show you this thing. It's it's every bit as cool as I thought it would be. <laughs> but like, I have a healthy respect for it. It is not oh a my toy. God. Like I was not goofing around with it, but it was way more powerful than I expected it to. But let me tell you, it'll burn up some weeds. It'll burn up. Everything. It'll burn up whatever you pointed at, yeah. which is why it's so terrifying. But yes, so I'm. I'm uh, I'm, I'm determining how much I'm going to want to use this thing, but I, I definitely torch the weeds, and I'm curious to see, like, how long until, like, some of the weeds come back. But the thing I will say that's cool about it, so, like, on the paver, right? So these pavers are, like, I don't know, six inches or something like that, and it's, a, you know, decent sidewalk. So, like, all kinds of stuff grows up in between these things, right? But, like, this flame just, like, blasts out of this thing, and when the flame, like, hits the pavers, the heat, like, spreads out right. like, quite a bit. And, like, every little weeds, like, things I can't even see with my naked eye, it all just, like, singes up. So, it, like, it takes care of, like, all the little but stuff. But wouldn't it also take care of, like, grass and every... Oh, whatever you pointed at is going to fry it, yeah. So, you really need to have an area where there's nothing but weeds you need to kill. It's meant for, like, driveways and sidewalks and stuff. Oh, okay. You're not, like, using this in your yard. Okay, or your garden. Or your garden, yeah, unless you okay. don't want a garden anymore. Because, <laughs> I mean, you will literally have scorched earth using this thing. Oh I mean, this will scorch it did, your It didn't earth. leave any marks on your pavers, though? No. Okay. No. I mean, I, no, it didn't. It didn't. Which I was amazed, because it was... It was hot. Like no black marks or anything like that? No. Wow, okay. No. I had some parts in the cracks of my driveway. All right. We're really talking about this a lot. Well, so if you see me here my by myself next time and there's an empty chair to my right, yeah. you'll know what happened. So if you have any yeah. thoughts on Brian's epitaph, let me know in the comments below. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It was fun, I will say. All right, cool. That's what I got going on. Um, company updates. 
we'll make this quick. Um, obviously, Drew and I are sitting next to each other, and uh, that is a new thing. We are in the state of Virginia. Now, if you're fully vaccinated, you can be within six feet of each other again. And, uh, you know, we're able to open up our coffee maker and our refrigerator and the arcade machine that Drew set up. And that no one else plays, kind of which is a crime. Well, it's... I found People a new game. No one again. is playing with me. Oh, well, maybe we can do that after this. I don't know. Um, so anyway, that's that's fun. Getting a little sense of normalcy back into yes. life a little bit here. Um, so what's on your desk, Drew? Um, well, I got a couple people asking about uh, this thing, which I bring out whenever we do the hypotheticals because I write them down so Brian can't see them. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And uh, they ask, like, oh, what's that leather thing? It's not a leather thing. It is a canvas um, notebook hmm. cover from Franklin Kristoff. You can buy these. look leathery. You can buy them on the website. It's like a uh, wax canvas sort mm. of thing. So it's a mm. canvas. They call it the um, Vagabond notebook cover. It's cool. Um, it's like 40 bucks or something like that on the Franklin Christoph website. I got it at a pen show. I think Raleigh, probably. Oh, but yeah. yeah, it's just like a traveler's Makes thing. Sense. It's got it's got a pocket here and it's got, you know, various elastic, mm. you know, straps. I added these bookmark things from just some leather, you know, straps. They look like little shoelaces for like dress They're, shoes or something. Yeah, no, I don't remember where I got them, but yeah, um, but yeah, it's just an elastic thing. Cool, you know. So I think this is, this is not something that for those who are wanting us to carry this, this no. isn't something that they distribute. No, they sell this direct. direct yeah. yeah, so yeah, that's okay. that. Cool. So I thought I'd mention that. Yeah, cool. And then me, my stuff is we've already talked about it. It's the new the new stuff, the, the, stuff the Lamy sample, yep. yeah, the new Sailor, you know, Stealth Green, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's cool. What been, that's what I've been playing with, that's and then the Heritage ninety two. Once we got asked about that question, I was like, let me pull that thing out. Yeah, I haven't used that in a while, so that's been fun. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up episode 007. I want to thank everybody for watching. Please give us some feedback about how we're doing on this. If you have any questions, you can leave them in the comments on YouTube. Um, if you're listening to this on the audio version, you can shoot us an email at pencast at com, and we might look at that someday. Um, yeah, we'd love to know uh, what you think about how we're doing, any feedback, questions, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I have a random fact. Fun fact to finish Ooh. us out. Yeah. Do tell. Uh, This is not related to anything that we've talked about so far, but did you know that copper and brass doorknobs are self-disinfecting? So copper and its alloys, such as brass, have long been popular materials for manufacturing doorknobs, and there are some pens made out of these materials, too. So it's somewhat relevant. Um, And we're going to get into some science here. It turns out that this is not just because the metal's hue makes it look nice, though it does. In fact, the material has been found to kill bacteria. According to one study from the National College of Kathmandu in Nepal, the metal ions denature protein of the target cells by binding to reactive groups, resulting in their precipitation and inactivation. The high affinity of cellular proteins for the metallic ions result in the death of the cells due to cumulative effects of the ion within the cells. So in other words, Uh (laughs) copper sterilizes the bacteria, that can build up from all those potentially unwashed hands that grip it. So um, this also applies to pens. So basically, if you um, you know want to carry around a pen that you're okay with other people using, copper or brass pen is a great option because it is self-disinfecting. Hmm. I wonder if we look back at the sales of our you know uh, brass pens right when the pandemic began. If we good question. Oh, good question. I mean, copper and brass pens have their niche. They do. They are pretty popular. They do. And usually copper is more popular than brass for us. Mm. Well, thank you for that. There you go. Enjoy. Thank you, everybody. We will see you next time for episode 008. The thing that I will say is we are looking to record these more regularly. We're going to start doing them 
I'll say weekly, but we have a bunch of like outages and some trips and stuff that we'll be on with our families. But uh, we aspire to do it more regularly. So it'll probably be like more mid-August when we start doing it every week. But we're going to start doing it more than every other week. And hopefully Soon. shorter. But maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> That's the experiment. We're like, if we go two weeks, we have a lot to talk about. Maybe if we do it more often, there's less to talk about. But maybe not. We'll maybe. find out. There we go. Have a great couple of weeks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Right on.